Um, okay, wait, wait, wait. The RP or the lady says her husband is doing black magic. No, it had to be black magic by somebody. Oh. And does he need the police for something? Bây giờ anh có cần cảnh sát tới làm gì không? Bây giờ cháu muốn cần cảnh sát tới cái nhà để lấy cho cháu ít hình. Uh, she requests that the police would come to the to the one that do the magic to get some picture for her to okay to uh, exorcist it, exorcise. This is the, can you tell her please that this is the police department and we go out for emergencies and if somebody needs help we don't yeah. do any kind of witchcraft yeah. or sorcery. Yeah. Okay. So, what's up, everybody? Um, our, ca- our, our schedules have been very chaotic as of late. So, long story short, uh, I've been recording solo shows, and Lobo here recorded a solo show. Briefly, my internet went out. I scheduled a guest for tonight who ended up bailing out the last second, and Lobo here went ahead and recorded something without me. And I was out of town one week, and I thought you were out of town this week. And then I lost my internet for a week and a half for various retarded, stupid reasons. Uh-huh. <laughs> so anyways, you have recorded a show uh, without me. And since people haven't heard us together in quite some time, I figured it would be apropos for us to get together a little bit. And Because I have no idea what you did. I was like, what are you recording? And you said, it's a surprise. So and That's exactly how I said it, too. <laughs> yes. It's a surprise. It's a surprise. So where are you taking us on this journey? Well, we're we're going to be talking to uh, a friend of the show. And I'm sure within the first two minutes of them hearing it, they'll also hear me name drop you as Hollywood. You are a dick. But okay. I am, indeed. But okay. No, really. But, you, uh, you, 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 uh, you talked to, well, who'd you talk to and what's, what's the show about? Well, the name of the show is Why Did the Road Go? And it's with Soraya from his show, Where Did the Road Go? Because I talked to him about why he chose to do his show and stuff and things about his life. Okay. So I'm the interview sh- goes all over the place. I'm sure he was happy about that. I was going through old shows because um, uh, one of our listeners, Eric, did send me a thumb drive. And I put all the back episodes on it. And I'm looking through and I'm like, wow, you've only actually done a couple of solo-ish interviews yep. on a couple of shows. I think you were on Where Did the Road Go? And nope. then uh, yeah, was I? Yeah, you were on there once. And um you were on Ozone Nightmare with Joe, which to date is the longest show with anybody he has ever done, and you <laughs> solo wise, because you guys did a three hour show on Ozone Late Night. Yeah, that was a long show. And that was the longest freeform interview and probably the best interview thus far I have ever heard with you. And he broke huh. that into three episodes. And to date, you are the longest guest he has ever had on his show. So it, it, and Soraya behind the scenes has been like, I need to talk to Lobo and you've been wanting to talk to him. And I'm like, yeah, you guys should hook up and do something. You know, uh, I think he wanted you on his show for other reasons, which I don't want to spoil because at some point it may still happen. Hopefully. Oh, well, I at the end of the show, before we before we signed off, I made a promise to the universe that I would uh, come on his show. Yeah, so I have to. I have you, to. You have better you. luck with promising stuff to the universe than I do. My promise to the universe is: yes, we're going to have this person back on the show. They die, or yes, we're going to have this person back on the show. Never hear a word from them ever again. Yes, but I'm a witch, <laughs> and you're not. 
Is that what you consider yourself as a witch? No, no, no. I didn't. I, I, I thought you would have found that offensive if somebody called you. Yeah, that. I don't. You call me. People call me whatever they want to. I don't care. <laughs> I know what I am. All right. So, do you want to talk about briefly what you guys discussed, or do you just want to jump right into this, or what? How? How do you um, want to roll this? It's. I can't talk about what we discussed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's 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 out there already because you are aware that people are listening to the show right now so yes. it's like they're not going to hear what they're going to hear <laughs> yeah no it's all right it, it it starts off in one direction and it uh it, it goes a lot of different directions okay so anyways in, um in true spark for format just kind of goes this is your this is your game and you've got the ball but i will say before that we jump over to your thing that things with the show should be settling down here relative, well, as, as normal as they can be. I know that uh, this is the 15th, and I know next week we have a returning old friend to the show. And because of my luck lately, I don't want to spoil to. <laughs> I, I, I think they'll be here. I mean, they're, they're family at this point, so I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about it. And we were supposed to have Timothy Runner on last week to talk about his book, Bigfoot in Pennsylvania, which is a cool book that is full of nothing but – Stories of Bigfoot before Bigfoot was known as Bigfoot. Wild man yep. sightings, wild woman sightings, all that. And that was when I lost my internet, so we had to bail on the show. Timothy has graciously agreed to reschedule for August 5th, which it was supposed to be the fast food show with Chuck, but Chuck is allowing me to move the show to a different date, which isn't a problem. So the, the whole – usually we do some kind of funny fast food-oriented comedic show, which we haven't done any kind of funny shows in quite some time which is going to be moved another date ahead in August. And everything should be returning somewhat to normal now, though I don't have a guest. Or as on the 29th, maybe Chuck's coming in on the 29th. I don't know. I have to confer schedules and stuff. Mm. Having said all that, the show will be returning somewhat to normal. And I still have another episode that I have to put out solo-wise that I dropped to the Patreons, and I'll be putting that out as well. So we've got shows sufficiently in the can at this point. Yes. And having said all that, We'll just jump into the episode of The Spark, and we won't see you guys at the other side. We'll see you in the next episode. Yes, we will. <laughs> that it? We good? Everything? That's uh, that's. I think so, stuff? sure. All right, so I'm going to be hearing this for the first time myself because I have yet to listen to this show and edit it and put it together and produce it. So uh, here we go, folks. Yeah, we. All right, welcome back to another episode of The Spark. In the usual vein, we're not going to do the normal stuff everybody expects me to do. Tonight, we're going to have a host of a show that I enjoy, and Rojan, my Hollywood compatriot, has been on numerous times. Asshole. Soraya from Where Did the Road Go? Talk about yourself. Hey, Lobo. (laughs) Hollywood compatriot, huh? Yeah, I call him Hollywood. I give him crap all the time. You know I'm the one editing this, right, dickhead? (laughs) Um... Well, I've been doing Where Did the Road Go since the beginning of 2013, um, which covers all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was very ancient history, uh, lost civilization type of stuff early on. Uh, Not intentionally. It's just that was the stuff I was reading at the time. Now, a lot of it's consciousness, metaphysical philosophy type of stuff with some paranormal things thrown in. It it literally goes all over the place. I don't have a lot of uh, restraints on it. I don't do things like conspiracies or anything involving politics. Because I find that stuff to be too divisive. Good man. (laughs) 
and I, and I'm trying to I'm trying to get people to think more openly about this stuff and in different ways and not not have that divisiveness in all of these different subjects. And I've been studying this stuff since I was a kid, basically. When you started the show, did you did you think it was going to go in the direction that it has gone in the last few years, or has it I just evolved? I didn't, I didn't think it was going to go at all. <laughs> That's a spirit. I, I, I came in and I said, you know, if I at least get to talk to like Graham Hancock and Robert Schock and Andrew Collins, I'll be happy, even even if it bombs horribly. And it didn't. And I think part of that is because I had guys like David Weatherly jump on very early. Mm-hmm. I think he was like my second show, and that drew in a lot of people. But I also don't do the sensational type of thing. I wanted to kind of get to the meat of the stuff and, and, and dig down through it and get rid of the nonsense. And I'm thinking no one wants that. You know, like there's such a – I'm thinking there's such a small audience for – people who want to know what's really going on versus people who want to be entertained by the sensationalism of it. But I was thankfully very, very wrong. And people are sick of the sensationalism in a lot of cases. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, we've, uh, we've tried to steer away from everything and anything that's sensationalized. We try to keep our nose out of it completely. And, uh, I mean, it's, it served us fair rather well throughout the years. So. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's and you guys come up with some really interesting stuff on Project Archivist. Well, thanks. It's mostly Row. <laughs> I'm just the uh, comedy relief, apparently. <clears throat> well, you are funny. Well, I try to be. <laughs> You've had some pretty big names on your show, and uh, I have to give you kudos for the last show that you released. I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to bring any, you know, bad blood towards anybody. But uh, uh, you 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 covered that very well and in a very professional manner. It was it was very hard to do, but I was I needed I needed to put some resource out there so that people could get the the more full story of what actually happened. Yeah, I could understand. I mean, there's there were numerous times when we first started the show, and we've we've never hidden the fact that we emulated. The earlier shows, you know, Erie Radio, Banal of America, mm-hmm. Mysterious Universe, you know, those were shows that we listened to. Those were the shows that we cut our teeth on, that we, quote unquote, grew up on listening as far as podcasts go. So there was never a, we never claimed to be anything that we weren't. I mean, I was a call-in guy for uh, Erie Radio for the longest time. I, uh, Rogan sent articles into Ben before he even had Aaron when Mysterious Universe first took off and... Mm. I mean, I, I was a call-in guy and a write-in guy for a little show that was uh, called uh, Globide. Uh, the guy's name was Byron Sanchez that ran it. That's where I met uh, I met up one, with one of our uh, show friends, Erin um, Botello. Been, I've been friends with her since, oh, my God, probably at least a decade, over a decade now. You know, <laughs> so, I mean, it's – we've never steered clear of the fact that, you know, we – emulated people but early on we were you know accused of copying you know and ripping off other podcasts and fortunately at the time we had people that were friends of the show that ran these other shows that got on the page or or wrote in and like no 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 that's not happening they're friends of ours right it was helpful and you know the the way the way you were able to bring in some semblance of, look, I'm not trying to poke the bear here, but I can clearly see what's going on. Let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that's big. That was huge. And, and and back it up with the with 
easy to verify evidence yeah, behind it. That's the other thing. Facts, man. You know, there's that's the thing about them. You can't. You may not agree with them, but they're there, and that's it. It's like science. There's there's the information. You may not like it, but this is how it works. And and I, I actually came into this more from a radio perspective too than a podcast perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a, in a way, I still kind of think that way because I've been on radio for over twenty three years now. And uh, another thing that probably helped a great deal is that I didn't do this initially as a podcast. I said, you know, I went to my radio station and said, hey, can I do an hour long show talking about these things? And they went, all right. And I said, great, you know, because I, I, I never would have started it without that going for me to begin with. And I think that actually helped me get guests early on is because I saw they were going to be on FM radio rather than just a podcast. And then I immediately started podcasting it, but I was never going to do more than like one show a week. And now sometimes we do like three or four. Yeah. <laughs> hey, rather prolific. I will say that. Um, I have actually sitting, I have two round tables I haven't put up yet. I have an interview with someone that was at the Travis premiere. I haven't put up yet. And I have a new episode from Steph young and strange familiars to put cool. up. You know, and it's like, I don't want to overwhelm people. So I try to give it a day or so in between uh, putting shows up so that, you know, it's not like you're getting something every day where people can't keep up with it. Yeah. Well, if, if you if if your core listeners are anything like I am putting them up every day or a few a day is not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we I tear through. I have I have 40, 40 podcasts that I rotate through throughout the week. And wow. one of them is a sportscaster, or he was a sportscaster at one point. He still is sort of. I mean, he has a he has a show on ESPN, and he puts out he puts out a show every morning, and it drops at 11 a.m. our time. So I listen to that every day. Unfortunately, he's gone semi dark now for the summer, like he does every year. But mm. since he's switched from being on uh, a terrestrial radio to doing his own podcast that he's doing out of his restaurant that him and a bunch of other people bought he's able to come back a few times a week and drop you know mini episodes and actually listen you know so i'm not like chomping at the bit like i normally am (laughs) but it's i mean the people that i the podcasts i listen to on a regular basis are yours and um Crime Garage and uh, Generation Y. I mean, I listen to a lot of serial killer stuff, true crime, and scientific mm. stuff, and then just jackassery with the Tony Kornheiser show. So, I mean... <laughs> I, I listen to a lot of, like, I mean, Project Archivist is obviously one I listen to fairly regularly. Uh, I'm Radio Mysterioso and stuff, but I, I've been taking to listening to a lot more fictional podcasts, which was not something I thought I would be all that into. Right. But there's some really good ones out there. And once I get hooked into them, I'm like, yep, I'm just going to keep listening to this until I get caught up and then I'll be sad. Yeah. Have you been listening to the darkest night? No, I'm oh, not familiar with that. You got to listen to that one. That one's messed think, up. Huh? Okay. It's messed up. I think the most, <laughs> the most recent one that really hooked that, that really got me going was spines. I have spines. What is it about? That's really hard to describe. Oh. It's, it starts off with a, a girl waking up in a tub of blood oh. with a bunch of her friends around her and a guy with an obsidian knife and goat skull on his head. Sounds like my kind of show. 
Yes, and she stabs him and, and runs out, and the whole place lights on fire, and she has no memories of who she is or what's going on. So she's doing this show to kind of try and communicate with people and find out what's happening to her. Well, I'm definitely going to have to check that out. I listen to a lot of weird stuff. I mean, when, when the wife and I first got together, she was genuinely concerned about my interests. <laughs> You know, the first thing out of her mouth after she'd been watching me and, and watching me do my research and stuff. Because at the time, we were together for years before we had kids. And, you know, I'm I'm going to be 42 and my oldest is 12. So I, we were together for years. I met her when she was 19. So, wow. you know, it, she'd be like, oh, that's, you know, that's, uh, are you going to kill me while I'm sleeping? <laughs> like, no, no, I'm not. This is called research. When I stop doing this, then we have problems. <laughs> See, and, and the funny thing is, like, early on, I didn't like talk mm. radio at all. When you go back to, like, the 90s and stuff, my dad used to listen to, like, R oh. Rush Limbaugh oh. religiously, and it, it drove me crazy, and I was just like, oh, my God, I hate talk radio. And it was actually Graham Hancock that that got me listening to stuff because he had posted at some point he was going to be on Coast to Coast. And I was I knew what Coast to Coast was, but I had never really? listened to it. But I was like, oh, man, I kind of want to hear Graham Hancock talk because I mean, he really had an impact on me on this stuff. He really got me back into studying some of the ancient uh, mysteries and stuff. And um, so I went and listened to the episode of Coast to Coast figuring, well, it's talk radio. I'll probably get through like 15 minutes and get bored. And I listened to like oh, yeah, the entire thing. Cool. Oh, and I was just like, that was great. And then he put up a torrent with a bunch of his interviews in it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get that. And so I'm listening to all these interviews and I'm going, Has he been, are there other shows out there <laughs> like this? And then I started looking around. And and one of the ones that actually had a huge influence on me was uh, Red Ice Radio. And I don't really listen to them so much now because they have kind of a very weird political bend mm -hmm. on everything. But at the time, he was covering a lot of paranormal stuff. He had guys like Graham Hancock and stuff on. And the thing I really liked about him is that he let his guests talk, you know, like sometimes you would forget mm. he was there because the guy would just his guests would just be going on and on and the guest would finish. And then he'd ask them a question. I'm thinking, OK, I like that. Why is everyone else interrupting See, the guest? You know, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. I uh, Roe gets so mad at me because I it seems as though I've checked out of the show when somebody's talking. Right. But I am engrossed in what the people are saying. You know, for for so long in my life, when I was younger, you know, it was all about talking and getting your message out and don't give anybody a chance to speak or get their word in edgewise because you're at their door for a specific reason and you need to tell them what you were trained to tell them. So as I got older mm -hmm. and I got kicked out of the religion, I was like, I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. I could talk to anybody because of that. I can literally talk to anybody. But it gave me the necessity to stop and actually listen to what people were saying. And when when we have somebody on, there are times during the interview where I will purposefully check out because when I listen to I'm one of our my biggest fanboys. I listen to our own show. I still listen to our own show because <laughs> Rose, the one who does the editing, he does the mix down. I, I don't, mm. I know what I said, but there'll be missteps that either he leaves in or has taken out and it puts a different spin on what I just sat through for an hour, two hours. So I'll listen right. to it again. And 
if I like when we have Tyler Coke John on, which he's going to be coming on again relatively soon. I want to say within a month's time he's coming back on, and I'll listen to the interviews that other people do with him and then I'll listen to the interviews that we've done with him and then I'll text him or I'll send him an email or you know I'll, I'll get in touch with him. I'll call him up on the phone I'm like Tyler I need to talk to you right now and you know he's very gracious so you know I I'll listen to what other people are saying so that it sparks something in me to be able to say oh, okay that's not the way I thought about it go from this right. direction you know yeah, and I want to. I want to know what other people yeah. think about this stuff. Like, I know what I think about it, and there's been a great number of times that after talking to someone, I'm like, "Huh, I never thought about it that way." Now I'm going to change my perspective a little bit. I may not just jump into theirs, but it's something that that shifts mine a little bit because now I have something new to think about. I'm not by any means stuck in, especially with the paranormal type stuff. I'm by no means stuck in the way I see this stuff because I try not to even label any of it. You know? Yeah, that's understandable. I mean, it's it's real easy to stand in an echo chamber, and it gets comfortable yeah. because your 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 views are reinforced because you're literally listening to people saying the same thing you are. If you're uncomfortable, right. then you're in the right place. In my opinion, you're in the right place because <laughs> you're literally listening to another person's opinion or another person's view and go, okay, well, I don't agree with that, but. What have I learned? Have I learned that it's better that I sit and listen and try to understand where they're coming from and feign empathy for certain things? Or am I actually going to be there and be present and try to learn from it? Right, right. And I want to know why people think the way they do about this stuff because, I mean, everyone has a, sl a different perspective on life. There's absolutely no one you 100% agree with because we've all been through different stuff. We see things through different eyes. And so I want to see, I want to understand why they see it the way they do. It's not, it's, I don't even care whether or not I agree. I want to understand. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's what's missing in a lot of conversation that goes on. Because, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to, it's hard to construe what a person is actually saying through text and through, um, like I said, being in an echo chamber. But... If mm -hmm. you actually give yourself the opportunity to listen to what other people are saying, you know, that was a hard one lesson for me. I mean, I've, I've, I've been clean now for a little over 22 years and awesome. when, yeah, sort of, I mean, it's one day at a time. So I was like, <laughs> just for today, I'm clean. <laughs> but, um, early on in, in early recovery, I would sit and I would wait to speak. And I had an old timer mm. come up to me because back then it was a lot different than it is now. I mean, now it's, you know, everybody's worried about the newcomer. Not that, not that they weren't worried about it in the, when I was there, but you were there to save your life, period. It, was, it wasn't about, you know, you had to get a piece of paper signed and you were going, you were there because you didn't want to die. And right. this old timer comes up to me and goes, do me a favor, young blood, take this stuffing out of your ears, shove it in your mouth and listen for a change. And I was like, whoa, okay. So I, from that point on, you know, I was like, all right, well, and he's, his other famous saying was, you got two ears and one mouth. That's supposed, you're supposed to listen twice as hard as you speak. I'm like, hmm, all right. You know, these guys were no joke. These guys were, these guys were straight up stone cold junkies. You know, they were like, you want to live or do you want to die? I was like, I'm here for a reason. 
So yeah. I try to carry that through, you know, in normal life. I mean, I'm not, I realize that I'm not going to die if I don't listen to what someone has to say about Bigfoot or, you know, whatever, but it still broadens I, my horizons, even if I don't agree with them. Yeah. And, you know, Big, Bigfoot's a good example. I mean, I got to the point where I felt like, yeah, this stuff is probably more paranormal than anything else. But then talking to people like Lyle Blackburn and and he's saying, I've never seen paranormal stuff with Bigfoot encounters. No one's ever told me about paranormal stuff. And I'm going, hmm. all right, well, that changes things a little bit. So maybe there is something physical going on that's separate from the paranormal stuff that people experience. But I don't throw any of it out. You know, it's all to me, it's all possibilities because we yeah, don't I know mean, it's, it, like anything else. You know, when when Copernicus was throwing around his information, there were a ton of people saying, dude, you don't know what you're talking about, you know, because, you know, worried about the church. Let's not talk about this. Yeah, it's the same thing nowadays. You know, don't talk about that because someone's going to think you're crazy. Mm. Newsflash. Everybody thinks I'm crazy already. So I really don't have anything to lose. (laughs) Well, even even when you get onto the subject of things like global Mm -hmm. warming, um, you know, I have no doubt that our what we do has at least some effect on the environment. I mean, if nothing else, it's polluting the environment. But as far as the planet's entire um, system changing, it's also possible it's more, well, it's almost certainly coming partially from the sun. And it could be from other celestial influences. I mean, these things go through cycles. We've seen mm-hmm. them in the past. And you try to say that to some people who are so stuck on the you know, global warming belief system and they get so angry. And it's like, look, I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't clean up. You know, yes, we should stop polluting the planet. I'm just saying I don't know that that's going to fix the problem because the problem may be a bigger cycle. Yeah. There's it's, there's too much information out there. You know, there's... Yeah, and maybe it's not. Maybe it maybe it is all us. But, you know, when, when you look at past records and you see the, the temperatures swing up and down constantly, it's like, no, mm-hmm. this happens. Mm-hmm. It's under. I mean, I can't say either way. I know what the data shows as far as the amount of carbon that's in the air. And the fact that it's carbon that dates from, you know, Paleolithic era. But, mm-hmm. okay, where's that coming from? So I'm like, I don't yeah. know. I, I know what I know what I've read and I know what I listen to from other people. And I try to stand and go, you know what? I'm not a scientist. But in the right, same token, exactly. I'm also not someone that's going to, you know, let my brain slide out of my head over it either. <laughs> you know? So it's... It, so it's... it's- well, I, I figure I look at it this way. If we clean up the environment and it's not the cause, hey, at least the the reward we <laughs> right? get is a clean environment. <laughs> I'm not drinking poison water anymore. Excellent. That's a win. <laughs> you know, and if 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 at the very least. This drives us to look for better ways. Not just the environment, but just to be a better host to not only the planet, but those around us. It's a yeah. win. Like, hands down, it's a win. So. You know, on top of that, let's stop cutting down all the trees well, you know, and rainforests. You know, I mean, <laughs> kind of like trees, you know, they kind of serve a really important purpose other than being beautiful. Including taking the carbon dioxide yeah, exactly. out of the air. So, I mean, it's, it's it, it amazes me that, you know, you can get. Unfortunately, when. Information is put out. You'll get two vastly different stories. And yeah, 95% of the people 
that are actually looking at this information are not from either side of the spectrum. They're the ones in the middle going, all right, I'll listen. But you got the nut jobs that are gloom and doom, and you got the people that are throwing fairy dust around saying, oh, everything's perfect. So, I mean, you're kind of, and that's with everything. I mean, that's literally with everything. Yes, yes. And they're the loudest. Well, it's because they're the ones that get most airtime because it has to be sensationalized because we're not just okay with, it's kind of sunny today, you know? (laughs) We need meteors to be falling out of the sky or rainbows everywhere. Right. Because that's what sells, you know? Yes, the sensationalism, the fear. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like to look at it this way. If I go in, when I, not if I, when I go into my, you know, local greenhouses and garden centers... I'm not looking for a corpse flower when I walk in there. I'm looking for, you know, <laughs> maybe junipers. You know, I'm not, I'm, and I'm also not looking for just straight up dirt that's going to grow magic beans. So, I mean, right, I go in right. and I'd like to think the majority of level-headed people are doing the same thing. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, there's hope. That. There's hope. <laughs> and you know i mean in our, in our current environment a lot of people just follow the media and the media is very biased one yeah, way or the other totally it's it's not one side it's both 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 sides it's like there's only two sides and you must be one of these and it's like no no there's there's plenty in between yeah, there that's what in, in, the world is the world is a pendulum and it should always remain a pendulum yes yeah, there's there's nothing that's ever no. for certain. Uh, everything we think we know today will likely be proven to be some degree wrong mm-hmm. tomorrow. Maybe not literally tomorrow, but, you know, in the future. I mean, yeah, we, we have really good science compared to what we yep. had before. But 100 years from now, that science is probably going to make ours look oh, yeah. like junk. And it and it's probably going to say, yeah, most of what they thought was wrong, but they had it right enough sure. that it worked. Well, it's just it's if you, I mean, you don't even have to go back that far. You go back what, uh, maybe two hundred years, not e- maybe not even two hundred years. There were people that still believed that there were the four humors that kept us from getting sick. You know, your body had phlegm and yeah. bile, oh, and yeah. that was it. And then somebody came along and said, mm, "There's little bugs running around inside of us." That's what's causing the problem. And they thought they were absolutely nuts. You know? Right. There was the there was the people that believed that that the reason why women got pregnant was because men fired a little animal inside of them. And they, you know, it all came from the guy and a little person grew inside the woman that way. I'm grateful that's not how it works. I didn't works. know that one. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah, they actually believed that there was a little person inside the... They didn't know it was sperm at the time. They thought it was little people. Right. So... <laughs> Kudos to that thought. I mean, but well, it's reasonable, I guess, if you don't know. Yeah, enough. but again, you don't. It, it's if if you if back then that seemed like a reasonable idea because at the end of the day, forty weeks goes by and there's a tiny little human firing out. Okay, it kind of makes sense. You know, fast yeah, forward oh, two hundred years from now, what's that? Oh, that that prickly feeling you feel on your back. That's actually something wandering around near you, and we know that now. Yeah, because we have the yeah, tools to measure. They may be it. ugly, but we see them. You know, but I mean, it's it's the same. It's along the same vein. It, it, since the dawn of time, we've been muddling through the dark. We went from having matches to we kind of have something that looks like a flashlight and sort of works most days. 
Right. You know, what, right. Who knows what we're going to have, you know, 100 years from now, 200 years from now. We may not, some of us may not even be here anymore. Like, literally, our bloodline may not be on the planet anymore. So Sure, sure. And, and it, we, we were talking about this on one of the shows I don't think I put up yet, but it it's fascinating when you think about life and you realize that life was created really once. Mm. And everything else has, has a direct lineage back to that first life. It's an interesting way of thinking about it, you know? I mean, because, yeah, I mean, when you have a baby, that's sort of new life. It's a new ego consciousness and so on and so forth. But you couldn't just put those parts together and make it come alive it has to come out of something else that's alive like that spark of life needs to be directly mm -hmm. transferred yeah it's like anything else and that and 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 to me that makes it really interesting to wonder what what alive really means like will we ever be able to create an artificial intelligence that's truly alive yeah that's I, the parameters of that seem to be getting thinner and thinner and thinner yeah, yeah, and it's also possible that consciousness is all around us. That everything has some level of consciousness that we just don't perceive because it's not like yeah. ours. Well, and when they say there's no no life in the solar system, it's like, well, there could be life on Jupiter. We wouldn't be looking for it. We wouldn't know what to look look at because you know it's a mm -hmm. gas giant. But there could be life there. We yeah. don't understand. We're we're only basing it on what our our paradigm looks like. You know, and right. it, it, even, right. I mean, look at the they're still looking at the uh, at Europa, the oceans on Europa. Who knows what's going yeah. on there? I mean, if we know black thermal smokers uh, have life wandering around in them here on the planet, and we have microbes that literally live off of stuff that we never thought was edible and they're anaerobic. What's to say this? That's not going on somewhere else. I mean, hell, it could yeah. be going on oh, on the exactly. moon for all we know. <laughs> it could be going on oh, on the how sun. How crazy would that be? I mean, we we have things that can withstand incredible temperatures, and the sun is cooler inside mm -hmm. than it is outside. Hey, you know, who's to say yeah. that some form of life hasn't been able to uh, to survive in that plasma environment? I mean, hell, there's there's people who who suspect that plasma is intelligent. I mean, that that may explain things like the Marfa or it, even or even some UFO sightings. Yeah, so, I mean, some of the some of that yeah. movement does look like intelligent movement. So yeah, yeah. So let's get back to your uh, your show. Now, okay. You've had some people on your show that are I don't. It's not fair for me to say uh, that they are vastly more interesting because that's not fair to me. In my opinion, they're more <laughs> well, interesting. Right. Not yeah. that you know, not that they're not all interesting, but um, what subject that you've covered interests you the most? The one single subject. Uh, see, I would say UFOs, but it's not really UFOs. It's whatever's behind mm -hmm. UFOs. Like my favorite shows have been the ones like the first few I did mm -hmm. with Jeff Ritzman. I really, really enjoyed because his experiences were so unusual. Um, I really loved having Patrick Harper on that uh, to this day. That was in the first year, I think. And it's still one of my favorite interviews. And hopefully I'm going to have him back on soon because he finally got another book out. And even though it's fiction, it's based on Fortiana and some of the, the theories he had produced, you know, years ago in uh, his books. Um, I really liked having Jeffrey Kripal on, you know, so it's kind of that consciousness mixed with reality kind of dipping into the UFO field a little bit. Because I, I, I seriously think that whatever's behind the UFO phenomena, A, is part of the bigger picture. B, is a little easier to to study in some ways and see 
will eventually tell us a lot more about us and the reality we live in than we could possibly understand at this point. Yeah. That's, I mean, we have such a narrow scope. I'm, I'm talking of humankind in general. You know, Yeah. we've been told the majority of our lives that we are the crown jewel of creation and there's nothing else. And to question mm-hmm. whether or not there is anything else is to question your very existence. And right. even at a very, very young age, I've always asked questions, and it pissed my family off, and it pissed the elders at my church off. And, you know, I was always one that was, yeah, but. And, I mean, it's... <laughs> It aggravated my my parents to no end. My father, there was a there was a sure. song. It was from the um, I want to say it was from the late fifties, early sixties. You talk too much, and he mm. would play that on record on forty five. Well, it just loud to shut me up <laughs> because I've always questioned, and you know it's just. You know, and their their yeah. canned response was, "Well, if you have faith, you don't need to question." I'm like, "Well, apparently, I don't have a lot of faith because I can't take it at faith value. I need to have an answer, yeah. and I have yeah. I have a thirst to know any information, even if it even if I end up down a rabbit hole and it turns out to be absolute rubbish. I know not to go down that rabbit hole again. <laughs> right? Exactly. You know." I'm I'm perfectly willing to consider most ideas, you know. I mean, some more than others, obviously, but like I don't outright dismiss anything. If anything else, I want to know again why the person thinks this, you know. Like, I I, I will dismiss, for instance, the literal belief that the Earth is flat, pretty pretty <laughs> solidly. But as a philosophical question, to say, well, what can we really believe? What can we really see for ourselves? It it makes interesting, like an interesting sure, thought it's game. it's a game of what if. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, not only what if, but like all the information we have comes in one shape or another from gatekeepers. Like you and I haven't been above the planet in a spaceship where we can look down and go, oh, yeah, it's a globe. Not in a spaceship. We have it. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. But we have, you know, we have video and stuff and people have said, no, no, this works. This works. And we believe them. And and I think we're right to believe them for the most part. But, you know, when you when you deal with the flat earth thing, they don't believe them. You know, they're like, no, no, we're being lied to. And it's like, okay, I think your your points fall flat. But to say, you know, we should question everything. You know, so as as sort of that philosophical point, I think it's interesting. As a literal, you think the Earth is flat? It's like okay, you've gone too far. Yeah, I can I can understand that, and I can agree with that wholeheartedly. I, and I've talked to ble- people who believe the Earth is flat, not on the show, but per, you know, privately. And I and I really, they're not necessarily stupid people. It's just they they have that we're being lied to sort of mindset. Sure, you know. I mean, I could I can understand that feeling of we're being lied to. To a certain degree. Yes, because we are mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, especially when it, when we're dealing with like politics Ugh. and government and everything else. Everyone, everyone has their agenda. They're, they're always going to lie to spin things their way. I mean, when we've discussed 9-11 here and there with people, um, I always say that no matter what, we mm-hmm. were lied to. 
And we were lied to because the government always lies in situations like this, whether it be for national security or to spin it to their advantage or to cover something up. It doesn't matter why. They're still going to lie to us. They're not going to tell us what really happened. Yeah, they're, that's the business they're in. You know, it's the same right. thing as if, you know, with anything else. I mean, even even as a microcosm, you go to a little kid and you ask them, you know, do you believe in Santa Claus? Those wheels start, you know, screeching real heavy because, you know, you're like, all right, well, <laughs> technically, long answer, yes, short answer, no, but perhaps maybe, you know, but there's right, always right. that you know, justification of I'm doing this because, or, you know, I've, I've, I don't, I, I don't want to say no, because if I say no, maybe I won't get any more yeah, presents. See, like my oldest is going to be 13. She'll be 13 in November. And she's to a point now where she knows the tooth fairy is not real. And she know she has her suspicions that Santa Claus isn't real, but she still believes that the goblins that I told her about when she was little are real. Well, well, they are. I know that, and you know that. <laughs> but she she has this like plausible deniability that she keeps, and mm-hmm. she keeps it because her sisters are younger, and she doesn't want to ruin it. And uh, when I'm asked, I mean, I, I have no qualms. My my life before being clean, I had no problem lying to people. At all, I could I could right. lie to your face and you wouldn't even know what was going on. I don't I don't have any tells. I have no facial expressions. I don't I don't telegraph my movement. I I have nothing. I'm deadpan because I get what I want. So, so I'm mild, mildly sociopathic. I wouldn't would say, you say mildly. <laughs> I would say this okay. is probably right. more than mildly. There are times when things are going on and I have to look around the room for the social cues to know how I'm supposed to be acting. So Mm, when mm. my daughters, you know, straight up say, you know, do you believe in Santa? I'm like, well, I believe in the spirit of Santa Claus because everybody (laughs) has it. You want to be able to say, you're the one who kept Christmas going. You know, whether you're a Christian or not, or whether you believe any of the stuff that you've been told, you still want that spirit of, thoughtfulness and that spirit of giving and that that awe-inspiring look that other people have when they get something that they didn't expect that's the magic for me i i right and i would just like that to be year round rather than only at a certain time of the year but unfortunately the society that we live in doesn't allow that to happen you know if yeah it's like, well, you have to, you have to be nice because it's Christmas. It's like, yeah. how about you yeah, just, just be, be nice. nice? How about how about you're not getting anything in return other than that feeling of fullness? You've been fulfilled that you right. didn't act like a dick bag to somebody. You know, <laughs> yeah. you help somebody. It it, it can actually feel That's good. Why my kids are always at. Why are you always helping people? And my first answer is, well, I took a lot for a very long yeah. time. Yeah. So this is my recompense for doing that. I'm paying back into the karma bank so that when my death finally comes, it's not some horrible, fiery death. You know, hopefully I drowned (laughs) or something, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to be killed violently. So let's just hope. (laughs) So, I mean, it's just, it's a matter of, 
you know, just trying to keep my small part of the world intact. You know, the same way right. I'm sure you're trying to do. You, And by pushing outward from yourself, you can influence other people to try and have that same mentality. It may take some time to get people to sure. go along with that thought process or that feeling, but eventually those people are either, one, they're going to seek to be away from you, or they're going to try and find out what you're doing that's making it work for you. You know, or they're, yeah. or they're potatoes and they just don't care about anything at all. And nothing affects them. <laughs> so, it, it, uh, it does tend to be a little catching, though, when you help people and people see that response you get from helping people. And then it, it just it, it does tend to be catching for some yeah, people. I, I think I think it has to do with, um, you know, a global consciousness. If you can spark it in yeah. a small area, and sometimes it's not even, no, no words have to be said. You know, just that feeling that something has happened, you know, that you were part mm -hmm. of something or someone else was part of something for you and you feel that need to do something in return, whether it's a selfish reason or not, you know, you're looking for that next, you know, feel good moment. If you're doing something to try and help other people out, the where's and what for's are not important. It's the fact that you moved a muscle and changed the thought for that to happen. So, right. so what's, what's on your, you know, what's, what's on the radar for, you know, recent and then, you know, further down the line? Uh, you know, I don't actually plan things out very far down the line. Uh, when I started doing the show, I did them mm -hmm. all live. Um, so they would be on, you know, 11 to 12 on VBR, you know, every Saturday night. And I did them live. Because I was hoping I would be able to get people in a chat room and have people, you know, throw me questions while I was talking to people. But that didn't happen very much. Despite, despite the listenership I have, most people listen to it in the podcast. And even when they do listen to it live, they didn't tend to have a lot of questions. Like every once in a while, someone will throw me a question. But the, the technical aspects of doing it live, especially over Skype with potential, you know, connection problems and everything else just made it not worth it after mm. a while. Uh, but when I was doing it live, I had shows booked generally six six weeks wow. ahead of time. And I'd, I'd mildly panic if something happened. Like, I'd always try to have, like, one pre-recorded show that I could throw on in case a guest canceled, which only happened, like, once right. or twice. Um, but I would just, you know, I was like, if I get stuck and I am doing this by myself, I don't know what I'm, you know, I didn't think I could talk for an hour. Now I probably <laughs> could. But at the time, I'm going, there's no way I could talk for an hour and do a show without, like, a guest or a right. co-host. Um, and then I had a co-host for a little bit, and mm -hmm. then he left. Uh, but he did allow me to do the Kundalini show, which, because with him there, even though he didn't say a lot, I if I hit a wall, I could wait, and he'd throw, you know, he'd kind of go, okay, what about this? And then I could go again, because that, that's one of the issues I have when I'm just sitting talking, is I kind of go down a path, and I hit a wall, and I go, oh, where do right. I go now? Well, I mean, it's, that's the you way know? Ro and I work as well. I mean, I... Yeah, he, like I said, he gets mad at me because I, he doesn't. He wants me to be more involved. He wants me to talk more, but I get so caught up in listening to what the dude, you know, what the woman <laughs> or the man is saying. I'm like, oh yeah, wait, I'm supposed to. Talk. And he'll. It's funny because we have you know our phones next to us, and he'll text me or I'll text him, and he'll be like, "You're up, anytime now. It's your choice. You can." I'm like, dude, I'm listening. I'm listening. Give me a minute. I, I have had I, I usually write down questions because I make a point of reading mm -hmm. people's work, you know, if it's an author or wherever coming on and I'll have questions right. in front of me. But sometimes I'll be so engrossed listening to them and then they'll they'll finish the answer and I'll go. Now, uh -oh. now what? 
Yeah. Um, what was what was the next right. question? You know, well, we've had. It's like I forget. I forget. I'm yeah, a part that, well, of it. That's the thing. It's you. You. You're truly interested, genuinely interested in listening to what is being said, right. which is you know I. We've both sat through shows. I'm sure from other podcasts or other radio shows or even television shows where you're like, please just shut up. Just let the guy talk or, you know, (laughs) they're here to talk about their research or their work or their life experience. Just stop talking. You know, I know what your story is already. (laughs) Just stop. And and, and sometimes I will not listen to shows like that. There's been a few that where they do that so much. I'm just like, you know what? I'm not listening to this anymore because you're not letting the guests talk at all. And there's others like, like, for instance, Alex from Skeptico tends to Mm -hmm. do that here and there. And occasionally I'll be like, okay, Alex, shut up. You've been talking for 10 minutes now, you know, (laughs) but his guests are so good that once he does get his point out, he lets his guests talk, you know, and it's like, okay, that's the the win. That's the trade off there. You know, let the right, wind make right. noise and then we'll get what we want. <laughs> you know, it was like some of the NPR stories um, that, you know, in the early days of NPR, you're like, oh, God. All right. We understand. Just can we just hear the story now? You know, I don't need the backstory <laughs> first. I want to hear the whole story. Let, let's tell you the story and oh. then we'll tell you the story. No, no. Just tell me the yeah, story. Right. <laughs> Well, you know, growing up, growing up watching like Mr. Wizard and Bill Nye and, you know, uh, Slim Goodbody. I mean, you, you, you got your information, like they gave it to you. That's what I want. I want that Mm -hmm. information, you know, fine. You know, tell me about, you know, why you wear that skin suit, but you know, keep, you know, keep me going. And you can, and you can always tell the show like coast to coast, you know, I mean, coast to coast, (laughs) A lot of people come down hard on George Nori, and I'm not going to say he doesn't necessarily mm. deserve it because it's very clear he's not paying oh. attention a lot of times or he just yep. doesn't care. But if I had to do that four hours a night, five days a week, I may end up in that situation yeah, right. too. <laughs> it's one of the reasons I would never do it because the show would suffer. I, I wouldn't have time to read everyone's work. I, you know, I would probably get burned out fairly quickly doing that that much. So it's kind of like, okay, so – it might be understandable that he's not the best interviewer because he's doing it five nights a week. Um, but at the same time, you know, someone will say something and it's like, Ooh, that's interesting. And then George will just go to a different question entirely. And I'll be like, no, no, I want to hear more about that. Why aren't you asking him more about that? You know, yeah, well, that's, that's why I like the, uh, I like the format of this is, this is what we're going to cover. Like if you have, if you have a guest on and the, the, the people, you've read the book, you've done the research, and you're just throwing questions out just to lead lead the interview in a particular direction or, or just let it free form mm-hmm. as it goes. You, you, when we, Ro and I both get books sent to us or we buy them. You, I'm sure you do the same thing. I know you do the same thing. Yep. So it gets to a point where you just let them... There, there are certain people. We've had some interviews in the past. And it, there, there are a few that we've had that were. It was like pulling teeth, and Roe yes. does an immaculate job of making it sound coherent. Because there are <laughs> some points during interviews where it is just dead air, and you're you're yeah. talking oh, yeah. to these people. They, you wrote this book. You should know <laughs> what this book says. You wrote it. I mean, granted, there there have been a couple of times where we've had authors come on that were, you know, their book is four or five years old, 
which I can understand mm-hmm. them having a little bit of t- struggling with. Because some people are just so prolific that they finish the book and they're done, and that's it, and they move on to the next one. You know, like often, yes. he's done, yeah. he moves to the next one. You know, d- but he still knows his stuff. You know, Cutchin's the same way, he knows his stuff. You know, you can yeah. ask him about his first book, and he'll have the same vigor uh, from his first book as he does with his latest book. You know, Steph right. Young's the same right. way. You know, she'll, what she yeah. wrote years ago, she still has brilliant recall for. You know, you mm-hmm. could ask her anything. But the, and when I, when I, I mentioned earlier having uh, Patrick Harper on, his book, The Demonic Reality, was published in, I think, 92. So I had him on in 2013. And, you know, I'm asking him questions about the book, and he's going, huh. Because I'll be like, well, you said this in the book. Could you expand on that? He's like, I said that. That's that's interesting. <laughs> huh. That's funny. He's like, it's been 20 years yeah, or so. Yeah, a so. little rusty. You know. <laughs> but I mean. But it's, it's always fascinating when, because I've done that before where I've seen, you know, I picked up something and started reading it and going, well, this is pretty well written. Oh, I wrote this? <laughs> Holy crap. You know, it's like. That's great. Like, I end up shocked. It's like, I didn't think I could write like this. Huh. What do you know? Because yeah. I'll. Whenever I write things, I'll, I'll write them, and then I'll be like, oh, oh yeah, you, you're going to be the hardest absolute, on yourself. Uh, That's, And then I'll go back, and I'll read it and be like, oh, that doesn't suck yeah, right. as much as I wasn't thought. wasn't that right. bad, you know. But, I mean, you, you look at I always, I always bring up the fact that if anybody's writing and they're hard on themselves, I have never read anybody that was harder than them, on themselves than Lovecraft was. He thought his work was garbage. <laughs> No, a lot just, of people did. I mean, he he poured <laughs> derision over it. I mean, he thought he was horrible. He was useless. And it's just, I'm like, okay, well, you're dead, but still. Yeah, look at the oh, impact dude, he's had. There isn't a sci-fi slash weird, strange horror out there that doesn't have some twist from Lovecraft. Well, just, yeah. I, are you yeah. are you following the um, Oats Lab? Oh, I've never heard of that. Go when when you get a chance, go on YouTube and look up Oats Lab. O O A T S Lab. And they're indie film makers, and they're making short 25, 30 minute movies that are they're phenomenal. They are truly phenomenal. And they're they're horror and sci fi. But the I was ju- I just started watching one of them called Zygote, and if that mm-hmm. thing that's wandering around isn't the embodiment of a Shoggoth from, or or <laughs> something reanimated by West, it's it's it it reeks of Lovecraftian, and it even happens in the Arctic Circle. So I'm like, nice. okay, this is this is amazing, and it's only I mean they release only on YouTube and on Steam. That's the only place they're releasing their videos. And they're really cool. good, and it's it's it, they've gone back to what, um, what the short story horror used to be twenty years ago. That's how good right, they are, right, in, in my right. opinion. I mean, I I grew up watching a lot of schlock too, but yeah, me too. You know, I mean, there's <laughs> they they have they also do these small little clips that are building to something else. And it's uh, hmm. cooking with Bill or oh, cooking with John. It's it's a it, they're like infomercials, 
but they're okay. so bizarre. Like the people are, it, it makes you feel like the people that are the presenters for these products are being held at like gunpoint, and they they <laughs> have to do this stuff. Like it's it. Huh. Look it up. I was when I f- I saw a little to. sixteen second um trailer months ago for Oats Lab, and I'm like, oh, whoa, I gotta watch this. And they started dropping them July twelfth. It's good. It's huh. it's really good stuff. So so July twelfth no, like last the, this year, year or this the, year four or five days ago. No, three days ago. Oh, and how um, many do they, they have, have up three already? Thirty minute movies that are wow. They're, they're the beginning of like they're like chapter one, chapter two, you know each one is a chap first chapter. Well, that, that's yeah, rapid well, they've fire. They've been doing this. They've been recording them for quite a while. So they had stuff in the can. I see. And they they dropped them hmm. on the twelfth. They started dropping them on the twelfth, and they're they're well done. I mean, they're in in my opinion, they're well done, and I, I'm looking forward to cool. them. You know, proceeding along this line, and th- those the only two platforms <laughs> are YouTube and Steam. Those are the only two places they're releasing them. So. They they must have some idea of the amount of viewership that they can attain, you know. Yeah. With YouTube, yeah. well, with with YouTube, I you know I put the show my show up on YouTube kind of secondhandedly, mm-hmm. like I, I did it from the beginning because I said, well, it's another place, but I don't know that anyone's going to listen to it on YouTube, you know, because I'm thinking it's more video oriented. I wasn't, you know, I didn't use YouTube a ton mm-hmm. at the time, um, and I put it up and it just started taking off and I'm like oh so people do listen and now of course I know people a lot of people will listen mm-hmm. to stuff on YouTube it's very common but it wasn't something that was really in my mind at the time I just figured here's another place I can put the show I just wanted to get sure. an exposure and um, the as, as bad of a rap as YouTube will get for comments and stuff I've found that probably 80 to 90 percent of the people commenting on my videos are smart to really mm-hmm. smart. You know, there, there's the occasional <laughs> idiot who will come out there and, and say something either trollish or uh, we'll say closed-minded, you know, like they'll be like, this is all oh, demons, boy. and it's like, okay, you know, everything's oh, sure. demons, yeah, yeah we got it. That's what I grew up with. <laughs> Satan's around every right, corner. Right, right, and so, and you know, I can understand why pe- when you have a certain mindset, that makes perfect sense. You know, but it's just like, okay, that's not really constructive to the rest of the conversation. But I've had people put comments up where I'm just like, I I should bring you on the show. You know, it's like, damn, that's funny. And so when, you know, I, you know, everyone's like, oh, YouTube's the, the dregs of comments and stuff. It's like, yeah, sometimes, but there are very smart people willing to put very smart comments on YouTube. And luckily, I think my show is the type of show that draws those type of people in again, not sensationalistic. Just kind of trying to cut through to the to the to what we can actually say about this stuff versus the assumptions we put around yeah, them. I, well, I, mean, I think it's important that there there is a space for people that are trolls. There is. It's it sure. Some people just don't have the ability to give constructive criticism. I don't know why. They just they're just that angry all the time. Which I've been, yeah. you know, accused of that because of the persona that I have, and you know, unfortunately, it was like, oh, he's just a, that's just an act for for the show. And it's not. It's this is me. This is it. I'm sorry, you know. 
I, I say what I think, and uh, you know, it gets me in trouble sometimes. But I also know well, that if I don't have anything constructive to say, then it's probably better off that I don't. If I'm doing it just to hurt somebody, then it's it's, yeah, it's and that's yeah. not because it makes me feel bad. It's because it's I've come far enough along where it's not the right thing to do. You know, it may be great yeah. to you know to every once in a while fall back into old behavior and just tear someone to shreds for nothing. But at the end of the day, I'm not helping anybody by doing that. No, well, including yeah. yourself. I mean, you know, do I get a little bit of a high off of it at that point? Yeah, sure. But the the trade off isn't really worth it because it doesn't last very long, and then I'm like, I know better, and I kind of feel like a dick bag after it. So, right, you know, I have right. some form of conscience now, whether I want it or not. <laughs> so, now you mentioned early in the in the interview that that your show is on terrestrial radio what right how did you get involved in terrestrial radio to begin with what was your i mean not for me uh, not for roe but for for people listening to this what what got you into that and what yeah. do, what do you do well initially i mean there, there was <laughs> growing up there uh, not even just growing up now there have always been three big things that i was interested in and of course all three of them tend to be in that sort of countercultural liminal sort of thing uh i've always loved the occult and paranormal unexplained type stuff same i've always loved uh heavier music although i like some lighter music i mean metal is pretty mm -hmm. much my thing i'm just not right. stuck in the and uh and oddly enough, professional really? wrestling was the third one, <laughs> which also throws into that sort of weird liminal sort of thing. It's real, sure. but it's not real. Like it's I'll, I'll like one of the things that throws people is I'll say, you know, professional wrestling is one of those real things on television because there's no special effects. There's no stunt man. There's no rehearsing. There's no, uh, you know, if they screw up, yep. they screw up. If they if they hit someone and hurt them, they hit someone and hurt them. And it's probably more real than any reality show you're seeing out there. And probably more real than most yeah, of the news. Right. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. <laughs> it's it is a show. It is a performance that they're 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 performing a essentially a, a play, a, you know, a theatrical play as a violent sport. You know, it's going from one point. They know where they're going with it, and they have to try right. and hit it. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I those are the three things that always drove me. And uh, wrestling more is entertainment than more than anything else. It just, for some reason, always clicked with me. I'm not a big sports fan. I don't like the sort of tribalism that goes along with, you know, oh, my team's better or this team's better with wrestling. It was kind of like, oh, this right. is just fun. You know, these guys are doing cool things in the ring. They're, they're, it, the best wrestling was always the stuff that was really mm -hmm. counterculture, uh, like ECW was, where it just really politically incorrect, it, it took off in the mid 90s when everything was so conservative on in the media they got thrown off of tv stations for being too <laughs> violent um you know so stuff like that's always appealed to be that counterculture type of thing and i'm part of that with metal too i mean metal's pretty accepted nowadays but most of my life growing up metal was not an accepted wow, thing I was made fun of because i listened um, to yeah and so it <sighs> I had really wanted to do radio because I'd listened to all these radio shows that had, you know, played all kinds of cool metal. And I thought, I want to do that. And I didn't really know how to do that. And I was like, I'm not really sure how to get into this. A friend of mine went to school for broadcasting and didn't get a job in radio. Um, and I was just like, I don't know. 
And then I realized that locally we had like so many good mm-hmm. bands. I mean, just phenomenal musicians. Um, and they were kind of very separated. Like there was like the Ithaca Southern New York scene and there was the Rochester scene and there was the Syracuse scene and they didn't cross a lot. You know, you didn't see a lot of Rochester bands playing Ithaca, vice versa. And so I decided to do a zine because I said, let, let, let me do this zine. I'm going to call it the web. And boy, should I have trademarked that name. <laughs> um, and I just, you know, talked about all these bands, interviewed them, you know, reviewed shows, did album reviews, and the thing took off. And uh, at some point I had dropped it off to the woman who was doing the show at WVBR and I didn't really hear anything back from her. And then I had the next issue. So I called her up. I said, do you want me to drop off the next issue? And she said, yeah, the first one was great. Well, the first one I dropped off to her, not the first edition I put out. And so I stopped by and she just happened to be there when I stopped by. And she's like, so you do this, huh? And she's flipping through it. And she's like, do you want my show? Mm. And I went, yes, (laughs) what? You know? (laughs) And she's like, well, I'm leaving. And she's like, and you obviously know music. And she's like, and that's who I want to leave the show to, someone who actually knows and loves this music and, you know, is going to do something with it. And I was like, yes, yes, okay. It's awesome. (laughs) So it literally just fell into my lap, and I've been there ever since. And it's changed drastically in all that time period. I mean, it's – I always try to do something a little different. I always try to keep independent music in the Mm -hmm. forefront of it. You're not going to hear a lot of big bands on the show because that stuff gets airplay everywhere. You know, everyone knows who Lamb of God is. Everyone knows who yep. Slipknot is. You know, I'm not, if someone calls and requests it, I'll play it. But I would rather play, you know, we get enough stuff every week new, especially the last couple of years that's good, that I can barely fit that's it into cool. the show. And it's like, no one knows who these bands are. You know, it's like people, because they have no outlet to find it. I mean, even with things like Pandora, it still tends to pull you yeah, toward bigger does. artists. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's got that algorithm that just destroys everything. And so if you if you want to hear new and different types of metal and goth and industrial and stuff like that, that's what I'm aiming to give airtime to. That's good stuff. That's, you know, I, I grew up listening to, God, I had my, I bought the first Metallica album with my boy, Kevin. And I was, hmm. where was I? Second grade? First grade, second grade, <laughs> we bought Kill Em All. You know? Right. So, I mean, we were listening to that that idea of metal then and and back then Metallica right. didn't suck and right. you know there were other bands that we we slowly got into i i went more towards the heavier stuff he went he went the, the other direction he started listening to I and mean, we all we both listened to the scorpions lonesome crow was right, the last right. good album they had that was really heavy so and it, and def leppard even it, the right. um Lonesome. Wasn't, wasn't Lonesome Crow yep. the first one? <laughs> yep. <laughs> See, that one I've never been overly fond of. I like it, but I like the stuff it, after it, it. It had a certain sound. I still listened to it, the stuff that came after it, but it was like they never got that sound back. You know? No, no. It doesn't sound like no, any of their other stuff. It was like stuff. early Def Leppard, you know, the song Answer to the Master. Oh, early Def Leppard was amazing. great. And then you got, you know, Pour Some Sugar yeah. on Me and Phonograph. Yeah. Like, oh, right. my God. It's Def Leppard. Well, see, I didn't mind Photograph. I liked Pyromania, but Hysteria literally made yeah. me nauseous when I listened to it. <laughs> I could agree with that. 
I'm not exaggerating. Like I couldn't listen to it. I'm like, this is so overproduced. And so, and I heard the song pour some sugar on me. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much what you did Yo, to your band. Yeah, didn't they went, you? They turned into a pop band. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it, it did well for sure. them for one album, but that's the problem. Sure. That's the problem with pop is that it usually only lasts an album or two. Yeah, well, that's, you know, again, that's the problem. But you know, at, at that point I started listening to fear factory and, Mm. I got more into the the heavier industrial metal. Fear yeah. Fear Factory was the band that spawned me starting oh, the awesome. zine. We had been talking about it with a bunch of friends. I got a copy of Soul of a New Machine that was a, a mm-hmm. promo copy, and I put it in my car and I just sat there with my mouth <laughs> dropped open. And I was like, "Okay, I'm writing a review of this. I'm starting this damn That's zine." That's great. <laughs> That's it's it's there's there's a certain. It almost at the, at one point it almost felt like what I assume what hipsters feel like, where you find something that you really like, and there's a small group of people that are listening to it, and then something happens and everybody starts listening to it, and you're like, yeah, but I've been listening to this for like the last ten years, <laughs> and then you come in and go, well, this is great, and you're like, it's really not. It's welcome. It's been good for a long time. Why are you doing this now? A few, a few of my my early, things that that kind of uh, maybe put me on certain paths early on. I had bought the first Wasp mm-hmm. record when it first came out. I saw an ad in some music magazine, and you know they had a skeleton on a torture, you know, torture rack and stuff. And I was like, oh, these guys look crazy. And I went out and I bought the tape, and I was like, and mm-hmm. it's good. And I brought it over to a friend of mine who was a little bit older and, you know, into metal and stuff. And he's going, I've never heard of them. I'm like, right, but they're good. And he's like, they can't oh, be good. Boy. I've never heard of them. <laughs> and like he just refused to even give it a chance because he had never heard of them. And I'm going, well, they're brand new. And and at that point, I'm thinking, what causes someone to think like oh. that? You know, like that's ridiculous. If you never listen to something you haven't heard of, you you just got to wait for everyone else yeah, to tell you it's OK. Exa- you know, exactly. Like I. <laughs> You're familiar with I, older older groups like Killing Joke. Killing Joke's an yeah, old yeah. group. Yeah. Metallica did some of their songs over. Right, and then suddenly people right? knew who Killing Joke was. And then it went away were. and nobody cared and then yep. Pandemonium came out. It oh, was that was awesome. such a good record. And everybody's like, "Oh my god, this band is great. We're, you know, when did it and like they've been out <laughs> for like a decade. What are you talking about?" You know, and 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 if you if you look at ECW again, they used songs. They used to use one of the songs off Pandemonium for some of their music montages. You know, just when that album came out, they they picked out cutting edge music. Uh, they had the guy from Limp Biscuit associated with their shows. They had uh, what you call from Smashing Pumpkins mm-hmm. on their shows. And even though I'm not a big Limp Biscuit fan, it was when they first you know were, were getting yeah, big. Durst. So they brought him. Yeah, Fred Durst, and they brought him in to do a couple of things just to kind of, you know, give them some exposure. And because I guess Fred was a fan. Well, it's the same thing with the clowns. Insane Clown Posse was involved. I I was listening. I found Mm -hmm. out about him through Riddlebox. That was the first one I ever got. I'd never heard of him before Riddlebox. I went back and got a few of their earlier albums before that, but they were shit before that. But yes. I mean, th- yeah. there's people that'll say they're still shit, and that's I can respect that, and I understand yes. that. But it's just got that certain <laughs> like serial killer vibe of not not so much the the newer stuff, like 
chicken hunting. It's about shooting people in the face. You know, it's like that's that at the time it was like, all right, I can listen to this. I still got the, you know, slant eyed looking at me sideways. You know, what the hell are you listening to? My parents didn't want to hear it in the house. <laughs> you know, these are the same people that took Queensryche from me and said it was demonic. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, Queensryche. Yeah, that's a demonic band if I've ever heard one. Meanwhile, I'm listening to, you know, raining blood in my room, and they're like, oh, that's fine. You're like, really? These are the guys that you should be concerned right. about. <laughs> you know, it's like poetry. I'm like, you are you really listening to the words? Do you Do you not hear them? I, I, I had uh, – at, at one point I worked at a record store just in the mall for a short period of time, and the manager liked metal as well. And he was pretty much like, yeah, when you're here, you can just play whatever you want. Just don't make it too heavy. So at, at the time, I think it was – the two albums that, that I would occasionally sneak on were The God Machine nice. and Anacrusis. And no one knew who these bands were. And every single time I played it in the store – Someone would come over. Usually a number of people would come over and go, what is this? I want it. Boom. You know, and it's like, OK, so it really is just exposure for some people. They just don't hear it. And if you don't hear it, you don't yeah. know it exists. I mean, it's a, and yeah. eventually eventually I got told I couldn't do that because we had to play the Janet oh. Jackson album or whatever it is they were trying to push. And I was just like, yeah, because that yeah, needs right? more pushing. The people that <laughs> actually need the money uh, need to have airtime, not the people that already have the money. Not only that, but how many people are going into a record store, hearing Janet Jackson and going, oh, I've never heard this before. Could, right, could, what's right, this? Right. You know, if they're going in to buy Janet Jackson, they're going in to buy Janet Jackson. Playing it isn't upping your sales no, very much. Nah. But the same, it's the same thing with our shows. You know, you, you'll get somebody on or we'll have somebody on and then we'll hear from people. I didn't know about this. And you're like, all right, well, then it got some exposure. Yeah. It turned someone else onto this particular style of information or this brand of information. Run with it. I I love the yeah. fact that, yeah. you know, you can have someone tune it. Like my mother, my mother, no, well, my mother definitely doesn't listen to my show. She doesn't even talk to me. So <laughs> um, my my wife's biological mother and her biological aunt, um, started mm. listening to our show and her mother she listens to it just to support us but her aunt right. wants to know when i'm releasing another show and if there's other podcasts nice. and i just gave her your name for where did the road go i'm like you, you oh. gotta listen to this and she's she's just starting to listen to you so she's she'll catch up on everything she can from the back catalog and then she'll start asking right. you when is he gonna put another one out so when she listens to this, <laughs> I'll send her a heads up going, hey, that that podcast I told you about a couple of weeks ago, the host is going to be on this. So, but it's, it's, it's cool. Roe and I have also been big proponents of talking about other podcasts, you know, like, yeah, oh, yeah it's, me just, too. it's not, you know, you got some podcasts out there that won't, they refuse to talk about other podcasts. For whatever reason, I don't know if yeah. they want to be greedy or they're afraid it's going to take away from their listenership. We've never been concerned with well, that. It it seems like you have two distinct mindsets that tend to, tend to go with any of this type of stuff. You have the let's support each other, let's give stuff away and hope we get support, and then you have the people who are we must you know pretend no one else exists and and just think of only ourselves and pull as much as we can out of everything, you know, nothing's free, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
you, you see it again, you see it in music and stuff like that. You have bands who are very successful by putting out their stuff and saying, pay us what right. you want. And you have other bands who would be horrified at the very prospect of just letting people potentially just take it for nothing, you know? And it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but even smaller bands, there are some smaller bands who are like, no, we can't just give this stuff away. It costs us money to, you know, to record it and stuff. It's like, right. But if you give people the option, most of the time, if they have the money, yeah. they'll give it to you. And if, if, you, if they don't have the money and they download it for free, they're more likely to support you in the long term. Because you let you have them have your stuff for free. Yeah, well, we saw that in in uh, in actual like everyday life with authors too. Scott Sigler yeah. was the one who put yeah. out the podcasts of his books. He put Nocturnal out in podcast form before it was even available on paper, and gave it away, yep. and people still bought it. You know, sure. And when he was doing it, they're like, "You're nuts! You're never going to make a dime off of this! You're crazy!" Yeah, who's crazy now? People will support that yeah, which they care absolutely. about. Um, you know, and, and it's like the, the whole copyright thing with downloading music and stuff. The argument's always been, well, you know, all those downloads are lost sales. And it's like, yeah. no, they're not. Because how many of those people would have actually spent money on that release if that was the right. only option? Well, that's the thing. You know, but if you can get something for free, well, then you'll take it even if you wouldn't have paid for it. And maybe if you take it for free and then you listen to it, you go, no, I got to own this, the, the physical copy of this. This is really yeah. good, you know? Well, it's the same. It, like, there's, I don't know how many shows, podcasts and just regular shows that I listen to that I'll hear a song that they play and I'm like, oh, okay. I'll go out, I'll go on Google Play and I'll buy it because I want to keep it. I want to listen to right. it again right. because yep. I really want the song, but I don't want to buy the album. That's what we try to do at the end of Where Did the Road Go, too. I try to take into – initially, I was just using Psyche Corporation because I've done all her mastering work. I've done some of her mixing, and I've just worked with her through pretty much her whole career. And so I knew I could use anything I wanted without having to worry about you know anyone getting upset that I was using their music. And at a certain point, I started going, I should use other people's right. music, too. You know, instead of just having like one set outro song. And so I started putting up, you know, if you want your music used, drop me a line. And so now I have a big selection of That's stuff great. to cut through. Um, some of it more appropriate. Some of it's really heavy. And I'm, I'm, I'm always amused when the heavier bands will send me stuff and be like, I don't know, this is kind of heavy. And I'm thinking, yeah, because I don't like heavy. Yeah, right. You know, Did you forget who you're sending this to. <laughs> and then the other side is people will be like, well, it's not metal, but and I'm like, I don't just play metal at the end of Where Did the Road Go. In fact, I right. hardly ever play metal at the end of Where Did the Road, the road Go. If it's As long as it's decent, I'll put it on there. It's like I'll just find the appropriate show. Sure. I mean, it has a way of finding where it's supposed to be. Yeah, and if it's at the end and people don't like sure. it, they can turn it off. I was actually inspired to do that more when I started listening to Welcome to Night uh, Vale. Yeah. Uh, because they'll have a, a independent artist in the middle of the podcast every every time. And sometimes I find that I don't always like the style of music, but they rarely have right. bad artists. It's like I can be like, I don't like this, but it's good sure. for what it is. And a few of them just blew me away. And I was like, oh, my God, what is this? I need to get this. You know? Yeah, I can understand that. That's, you know, it, it I in my life, I found that if the music touches me, it doesn't really matter what genre it comes from. If it touches me, I'm going right. to want to listen to it. You know, yep. with yep. the exception of um, opera, I don't need to be screamed at in a different language. I had that growing <laughs> up. I'm good. Um, 
And with podcasting, I think it's the same thing. The more you can support other podcasts, the more this stuff gets out there. And if you're doing something of quality, you're not going to lose right. listeners. Yeah. Um, you know, and I and I've seen I've I've listened to podcasts here and there where you can tell they sort of operate in a yeah. vacuum. Um, I had I heard I was listening to one and they made some comment about how they're the only podcast that would allow a listener to come on and just talk to them about stuff. Really? And I'm like, seriously? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> wow, that's uh, you really are living in a vacuum there, huh, buddy? Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, and I don't think they mentioned it in any malicious way, but you could tell they're obviously not listening to anyone There's else's show. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, that's that's not good. You know, I listen to other shows and, you know, I've gotten a number of guests from listening to Project Archivist and went, this sure. guy's interesting. Oh, I got to have this guy on. And you guys yeah, have done absolutely. the same, you know. <laughs> absolutely. And, and we approach it differently, you know. Yeah, we're supposed to have someone on. Uh, they were supposed to be on last week that you just had on a few episodes back. And we're finishing up. Hmm. I, we're, I'm not saying we're finishing up. We're done with the book. So... When when he comes uh, on, yes. you know we. That was when that was when uh, Lobe, uh when uh, yep. Roger's internet went out. Yep. Yeah. I actually just got a text from him. His he's he's supposed to be recording tonight, and his guest had to bail. So he oh. is not recording right now. Ah. And he has. N so you weren't you, you weren't going to be joining no, him? No, I was doing this with you. He was going to be talking to this other person, <laughs> and they were going to do a show on it. But I, to be honest, what he was going to be talking to this guest with, I have zero to add to the conversation at all. Ah, it's not okay. Not that I wouldn't sit and listen and be respectful, but I have zero to add to this conversation. I've I've been involved with what they're going to talk about, and I about fell asleep. While I was involved with it, so I I can't. <laughs> I would be doing that show a disservice. Gotcha. And I I, I don't Fair know enough. if people can tell when I'm not interested. I I I hope they can't. But I mean, there's just sometimes where I'm I'm doing everything. And Rose Rose had the same experience. Yeah, I'll get texts from him back and forth, and he'd be like, Ah, dude, I don't know, man, this is bad. This is bad. And we're like, well, you know, we'll do the best we can and we'll muddle through it. And there have been some that we have muddled through. I haven't I haven't heard many that I thought I can't think of any off the top of my head where I thought you guys did a oh, bad thanks. job with a guest. I mean, even Stanton Friedman. I won't have Stanton Friedman on because I feel like he's already talked about everything he has right. to talk about. But you guys took him in another direction. I was like, wow, this is, I mean he oh, kept trying to go back. We had to, to the steer Stanton him thing. back. Yeah, but, but you got some interesting stuff out of him that I'd never heard him talk about before, and I was like, okay, that was really cool. See, now, when we first started, we we're going into our sixth year. When we first started, Stanton Friedman was one of the one one of the guests that I wanted to have on because mm. I I knew him from the UFO side of the of his life, but I also knew him of the nuclear scientist. And that interested ah. me far more than the ufology. And I kept telling Rod, well, <laughs> I want to get Stanton out. What are we going to talk to him about? I'm like, we'll talk to him about his real, his life, his actual life, his, like, his experiences before ufology. He's like, yeah, I don't know if he'll talk right. to us. And I'm like, all right, all right. And then finally, out of the blue, Banal gives us his phone number and says, just call him. See what happens. So Tim gave us the phone <laughs> number. We called Stanton. was like, sure, I'll come on, you know. And he 
Yeah, he seems like a perfectly he personable is. He's a great guy. guy to talk to. I it, mean, it's just I I would rather have an Aaron Daba <laughs> on. Yeah. Talking about stuff that nobody's ever heard of before than Stanton Friedman talking about, you know, the same old UFO stuff that he's been talking about for 20 years. Yeah, I, yeah. That, see, that when I... It's, it's, it's the independent music versus yeah, the mainstream yeah, music. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But it, there's, there's always that side of me that even when someone's been on shows... They still haven't answered the questions that I have. Yeah, well, you yeah, know? that happens. I mean, like, and like I said, I'll be listening to a show and going, why aren't you asking them this? You know, why aren't you asking them that? Yeah. I mean, this has been numerous times where, you know, I've listened to Travis Walton's story at nauseum. Just all different manners, all different interviews. All, and I, I'm still, I'm like, you're. what about this or what about that and and still to this day those questions that i have have not been answered yet and i'm like all right well you know what maybe they never will be and maybe i have to just leave it at that <laughs> when i talked to him at the travis premiere um he especially especially when we first started talking he was a little uh closed mm -hmm. off and when I had talked to Peter about it, Peter's like, yeah, well, you know, sometimes he doesn't always like, I guess he's not super open about stuff, despite having talked about it all this time. But he's also used to getting kind of attacked yeah, occasionally. Yeah, sure he is. So, you know, Peter said, yeah, he has to warm up to you a little bit before he's, you know, realizes you're not there to, to kind of make him look bad. And one of the things I kept trying to get out of him is what, like what he remembered prior, like right away, like. What was the last thing he remembered? What was the first thing he remembered on the other side of the encounter? And I don't think he ever actually quite mm. answered it. Yeah. You know, he just kept, he kept going, well, hypnosis just removed some of the blocks. I'm like, that's irrelevant. I don't care about that. I want to know what, like, where does your memory stop and when does it resume? Does it resume when you're on the ship? Does it, re is there no break? And the best I could tell is he kind of said there wasn't much of a break, and it's like, okay, that matters, you know? Like, like, what did you know before you got hypnotized? Yeah, that's a, those are good questions. That that is that's a good question, because it's it's a niggling little thought that is in the back of your head, that's not going to go away yeah. no matter what you do until you hear the answer. And and the more I learn about hypnosis, the more I'm like, this should not be Ooh. being used as a recovery memory Ooh. recovery tool. So, <laughs> it's like I'm. When I talk to people who have had encounters, it's like they get to the hypnosis area and I'm like, okay, but what did you remember without yeah. the hypnosis? You know, it's like, I'm not going to just throw out what you remembered with the hypnosis, but it's, it's automatically tainted to a degree. I think the way I see it now is that hypnosis potentially could recover a lost memory. You know, if there's a memory there to recover, it might put you in the right state of mind that you're getting the actual memory. But there's no way to know the difference between that and a created memory in that hypnotic state. Yeah. Yeah. I just – the the well has been so poisoned at this point. I just yeah. can't. It's, it's, it's the same thing with, you know, the experiencers that are given validity when you know that they're serial liars. Like their stories mm. have been debunked over and over and over again but there's still that faction that are like yes we no matter what they say we believe them i'm like really <laughs> you can't be that much of drones that's not possible and then you look at them and you're like yeah please don't read 
<laughs> and I miss mean, it's horrible to say it. There are some days where I'm like, yeah, eugenics. I'm glad I wasn't around for it. <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, like like I said, when I started the show, it was like I wanted Shock and Graham Hancock and Andrew Collins, who are all fairly mm-hmm. big names. And I got Shock and Andrew Collins pretty early on. Graham was a little harder to reach. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to wait a bit. I'm going to wait till he puts out another nonfiction book. And then maybe I'll see if I can get some way. Because like both Robert Shock and Andrew Collins had emails right on their page. Here, email us, you know. Um, I think Robert Shock's actually said go to the the, the uh, college whatever and find my email there. If you're willing to go through that trouble, then you can email me. Right. That's the same thing with uh, Tyler, Coke John. Yeah. So, I mean, but. They they came on. They were both fantastic. They've both been on numerous times. And, uh, you know, then I was like, well, I still got Graham. But by that point, I was kind of like, you know, I don't care as great, much great. now. Like, now I'm more interested in talking to the people with, you know, that are not as well known. Like, I got over the, okay, these are the big guys I really have here all the time and I want to talk to them. And it's like, I still want to have Graham on. And he did tell me he would come on uh, summer of 2018 when his next book came out. That's cool. Um, but... But it's like that's not as big of a deal as it was when I started the show. Like it's kind of like he – I want him on because he's the one that got me down this path. If it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't be doing this. Um, so it feels like I need to have him on because of that, if nothing else. And I still really like the guy. It's just he does – he's done so many interviews. You've heard all his stuff so much. It's kind of like, okay, when I do have him on, I got to come up with some different questions. Yeah. Well, and you will. I know you will. No, nah, you will. Hopefully. You you uh, don't have that same linear thinking. But but like I said, at this point, I'm more interested in the people who are thinking in really mm-hmm. different ways and coming up with new new stuff. And it's like, oh, I never heard about this. I want to talk to this person because this is this is really interesting. I don't care if nobody right. knows who they well, are. Eventually, they'll be well known or not. But at least at least you it was something not. that interests you. Um, there was the guy and I can't, I know his last name was Willette and I can't remember his first name, but he did the, the show on, uh, or he wrote the book on UFOs and the connections to poltergeist yep. encounters. And he postulated that the, the whole thing was, you know, that UFOs behave very much like poltergeist encounters and perhaps they are manifestations of, of mass scale poltergeist encounters from like a group of people. And I'm thinking, I don't think that's what it is, but the ideas here are brilliant, like, and there may be some of this mixed into it. And it's like, I'm like, I really want to have this guy on. Like, I was excited to talk to him because, like, these were new ideas. No one had, had thought this before. It's good stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it makes, if nothing else, it makes you think, you know? Right, right. And, yeah. and whereas I don't think that's the answer, he definitely has contributed something yeah, important. Yeah, absolutely. It all goes into the mix, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a stew. So, again, it, <laughs> It, it's more it's more interesting to talk to someone like that than to some big named you know researcher that you've heard everywhere. Like you know, like I, I love talking to Nick Redfern, but Nick Redfern is on every show in yeah. You know, I mean yeah, literally constantly. <laughs> and he's a really interesting guy. I I really like the way he thinks. It's just he's so over plastered everywhere. It's like I ha- I don't have him on all the time because he's yeah, already right. everywhere. He's like Visa card. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, and he and he always has interesting stuff to talk about. It's not like he's just rehashing the same stuff either. He, yeah, I mean the guy, he, he just 
I would like to have 20 minutes, not I, just 20 minutes for, of his life, just to sit and, and not even really talk to him, just to see how he interacts with, like, just life. Because that would be, to yeah, I Quickly. mean, he's got to be on, like, fast forward all the time. Uh, I'll have him on for a book, and it's like, all right, oh, how many books have you yeah, published right. since this one? <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. Steph Young gets like that too, because she just puts them out one after another, and it's like, oh my god, we're like yeah, right? four books She's behind. Come on. <laughs> well, and, and with Steph, that's pretty much what she does. I mean, that's her life is she's writing, doing research, and, and writing good these books. It. You know, because there's some people yeah, out there that yeah. just aren't good at it, and they still put out books. You know. Sure. Sure. And those you kind of, and sometimes they may have valuable information. So you're going, I gotta, I gotta get through this because there's interesting stuff in here. But boy, they, they Ooh, can't really yeah, write. Amen to that. Amen to that. <laughs> it, it's just dry, and you're just kind of like slugging through it. And you're like, no, that's really interesting. I'll yeah, read the rest right? later. <laughs> well, this is, I, I used to sit and read uh, peer-reviewed papers and theses. Just that was my thing. You know, I sat and read mm. both Audubon books on uh, coastal fish available in this area. Just because with their their scientific names, genus, <laughs> and I'm like, my, my wife's looking at me, wow. going, why are you reading this? I'm like, because it's interesting to me. <laughs> you know, I can go down to the shore and tell you exactly what that limpet is, or and she's like, yeah, but what does that do for you? I'm like, it's what do shoes do for you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, George Hansen was another one I had on that I really really liked. He's a thinker. Um, he's a thinker. Yeah, and his book. His book wasn't so much dry or poorly written, but very hard to read through. Like the chapters would only maybe be five pages and I'd read those five pages and go, okay, I'm done for a couple of days. I need to process what I just read. You know, it's like, it was perfectly readable. It's just the ideas and the subtlety of the concepts he, he was presenting. You're going, okay, yeah, right? this hurts. Like I actually have to put this down and, and let this kind of sink in for a few minutes, you know, a couple of days this information before it goes away. And I, I remember having him on and saying, yeah, everyone should read this book. And he's going, no, they shouldn't. No. He's like, if if you're really interested in this stuff and you have some background in this stuff, then that's fine. But don't pick this up as your first book on parapsychology. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. Yeah. Good enough. But, it, but it, it is one of those books I think everybody in this field should read sure. at some point or at least try to. Uh, same with uh, Demonic Reality from Patrick Harper because – Patrick Har Harper presents something that you look at his ideas and you're going, I can't really find any problems with this. Like, I, I can't prove that this is what's happening, but it's so it's such a contained system that it essentially explains right. everything. Right. And you're like, wow. OK. I mean, so so does the uh, the uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, he was on my first show. And uh, uh, El Elvich, Jim Elvich. He has the um, reality as a computer okay. simulation. Yeah. All right. Okay. And, you know, he goes through it and he's, so, you know, he's so well versed in it. He's a computer engineer and all this other stuff. And I'm like, nope. Yep. If you're right, it does kind of explain everything, doesn't it? You know, yeah, it all fits all the, all the, uh, ticks off all the boxes. Yeah. And I don't know if that's necessarily what's happening, but it's, you know, it's a solid theory, you know? I would, I would agree with it. I would agree with it. Not, I wouldn't. I, I can't say that I agree with everything that's stated, but it ticks off no, an awful no. lot of boxes. Yeah, it 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 
it, it does a good job of explaining not just one or two things, but right. everything as a whole. Right. Of course, then you still have the, okay, what about beyond that? You know, if, we, if we're living in some kind of computer simulation, where right, did yeah. that come from? You know? Who wrote that one? <laughs> now you have much bigger questions. <laughs> yeah. What does well, that mean? There must have been a, there was a Dawes before there was a Windows. <laughs> and someone had to design all the hardware exactly. and software. So exactly. if everything's digital, it had to mm. come from somewhere. But I mean, that's that that's one of those big questions anyway. No matter what creation theory you have, where, you know, you could say, okay, God created all of this. All right, it's, where did God come from? I was explaining from? it to my kids the other day. They're like, well, I'm like, mm, <laughs> you know, the, something had to create that. You just can't have nothing. Yeah, the the Big Bang, and it's like, what was was it? Terrence McKenna that made the comment: "Just give us one free miracle, and we'll we'll explain yeah, the right. rest from there." Because mm. it's like, well, nothing exploded one day, and then they're like, "Well, it's not really nothing. It was everything squeezed into a singularity." And it's like, great, where did the singularity right. come from? Well, it just appeared. It's like, okay, it's not how it know. works, at least under normal circumstances. If if you think too hard about it, you realize we really yeah, should right? be here. We're a waste. There shouldn't be anything. <laughs> Why why is there anything? There right. shouldn't be anything. Yeah. And if there's nothing, yeah, what does right. that mean, you know? What if we really are nothing? It's not just It well, but the thing is we think nothing, we think you know vast space and it's like no, no, there wouldn't be any space yeah. either. Just imagine looking into a a glass vacuum tube. That's what it is. <laughs> Only no tube and no air and no vacuum. And yet some and yet somehow exactly. we're here. It's 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 like theories of the moon. We have all these things to explain why the moon's there. And there was one scientist who said, well, the best explanation that works, that explains the moon, would be that it's a mass hallucination. It, it, why not? <laughs> well, be, and, and obviously it's not. But the, the point is, like, none of our theories work to explain how a moon that big got the position that it did with the makeup that it has and being yeah, well, hollow. Exactly. But again, it's it, there's you can sit and do thought experiments on just about anything, and still come up with at the end of the day, I don't know. But it's fun to think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and I I, I keep an agnostic attitude on all of this. Like some stuff, I definitely like a little more. I like the electric universe mm -hmm. ideas. I think they're probably more right than wrong, and. It seems like science is kind of going that way slowly and reluctantly. Yeah. Um, I liked Velikovsky's ideas. I think he was probably right as about Venus being a comet at one point. Um, I liked the uh, the uh, what you call it, the Lost Star book, um, and his name is escaping me. He runs the Binary Research Institute, but he postulated that Sirius may be our binary companion. And when you look at all the evidence, it's like, it huh, be. Yeah. it might be. And, and how freaky is that, you know, that we have a binary companion we have that's been literally lost to history because the 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 uh, the rotation is so far out. Yeah, it makes you it makes you scratch your head. It makes you really realize that we yeah. don't know anything when it comes right down to it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's the best attitude. We don't know anything. We'll just work yeah, with what we got until something better. comes. You know, don't make it. A, Right. Don't make it a religion. Don't don't take it to, you know, to heart. And if it changes, that's fine. That means we're progressing yeah. and we're learning. And the minute we stop learning and progressing, we might as well be dead. <laughs> and there's no guarantee that we don't continue to learn after that. Well, that, so. that is very true. <laughs>
I mean, I, I often I often think that what ages people more than anything is that yeah. they stop. You know, I see a lot of people like whether they went just to high school or high school and college, uh, when they graduate, when they stop that learning process, that's kind of where everything about them stops. You see them 20 years later and they're essentially the same person with the same tastes and the same, you know, like they've just halted. It's like, well, I don't have to learn anything anymore. I'm just going to do the daily nine to five and not worry about it and listen to the same music I've been listening to while I was learning things. Yeah, I mean, if 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 you're not moving forward, then you're dying. Then I've yeah. I've had I've yeah. I served my time in quote unquote hell. I'm I'm done with that. I need mm. to keep moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone needs to keep moving forward. It's the healthiest thing you yeah, can possibly do. Uh, the only thing that's certain is change. That's the only constant is change. Yes. Yeah. And even death is just a form of change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever, <laughs> the death card in the tarot deck that everyone gets all freaked out about really just means change. Yeah. It's it's People have a very strange idea of what change actually is and they're frightened of it with understanding i mean change is scary sure you're, sure you're going from something that you're you know even if it's comfortable pain familiar pain you're stepping off into something that you have no idea what's about to happen right from being in a secure situation to a not yep. so secure yep. situation it, it 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 honestly and I, I don't mean this in a religious sense but it, it takes a certain degree of faith that things will be okay yeah and usually they will. You, you may have to go through some rough stuff to get there. But if you give up, you're not going to get there. No, yeah. It's the biggest failure is giving up. You know, if you keep trying, you're not going to fail. Even if it seems as though things are falling apart. As long as you still have a dog yeah, in the fight, you have a chance. And there, yeah. there have definitely been those times where I've sat there and been like, I don't mm -hmm. know what to do. Like, this is really serious. I don't know how to move forward through this. I guess I'll just see what happens. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's, you can live in that crippling, that crippling pain of not knowing, or make the leap and move forward. Yeah, and yeah, it could exactly. be as little as uh, yeah. you know, do I put hot peppers on my pizza? I've never had that before. <laughs> you know, but but sometimes you don't know what the correct forward path is. Like sometimes you you don't see any paths yeah. forward, and that's that's when it really becomes frightening to me where you're going I don't I literally don't know because most of the time I go okay what are my options I can do this I can do this I can do this you know but sometimes you hit those those spots where you're going oh yeah, god I've I've been I don't know what my options are I've been are, in that you know? tunnel before and not known whether or not it was light or the train you know yeah it's like okay well let's just wait and see I'll think of something you know yeah, I mean that's the yeah, it's <laughs> so you know like 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 right now I'm sitting with a a really nice yep. car, but the no. the engine is going bad. It has two hundred thirty thousand miles on it. So for a new engine, it'll cost me fifteen hundred dollars, okay. which is more than I have at the moment. But I'm like, that's probably less than I'm going to get a equally as right. good car for. Well, what is it? You know, so it's one what of is those, it? huh? Uh, it's a 2007 Buick oh, Lucerne. Dude, get a crate motor. A crate there's, motor? There's places in New Jersey that they pull engines that overseas mm -hmm. engines are only allowed to have a certain amount of hours on them. 
and a certain amount of mileage on them before they're pulled. You can get cars, huh. you can get engines that have 30,000 miles on them for 700 bucks. Oh, yeah, well, I, I can get it cheaper than that, actually. It's the labor uh, that's going to cost me. It's worth it. It's worth it. it yeah, and that's that's kind of where I'm at. It's like, okay, well, I don't have the money quite yet, but I can probably save it up if the car keeps mm. going, you know? <laughs> like, if it just lasts out a few more months, I hopefully can save enough to get it, get the new engine put in it. But the other thing is I'm also looking at it going... It has 230,000 miles on it. It's going to need a new transmission. The minute I put a new engine in, the transmission's going to go. That's the spirit. And they have to pull the transmission. So it's like, I might as well get the transmission sure. done, why too. Not? You know? Yeah, that's... Yeah. Oh, why not? Well, it's because I don't have the money for it. That's but. fair. That's that's the uh, little, uh, you know, stab wound there. Yeah. So, I mean, although that's not a serious issue, it's kind of like I do need a vehicle where I am because I'm out in the middle of nowhere. And it's it's like, okay... What are my options? But at least I right. have those options. It's when you don't have those options where you're going, oh, God, you know, my, my car just died and I have no money to buy a new one. What am I going to do? You know, where where are you exactly? This town? I am. I live. I live dead center of New York State. See, my my wife's biological father lives in Oswego County. OK, that's about uh, Oswego County. Not sure exactly how far. Within That's an hour or so. So you're probably about no. seven hours from me. Yes, you're you're out toward Boston. Um, right? about an hour, two hour drive to Boston. South. Which direction? So you're no, north of I'm Boston. I'm in Connecticut. Yeah. Oh, you're south of Boston. I'm in the. I'm okay. in like smack dab okay. center of Connecticut. Yeah, probably oh, about five it. hours away. That's not too bad. And. The, the radio station is in Ithaca, which is thirty minutes south. Okay. So we're 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 in what's called yeah, the Finger okay. Lakes region, which has its own own weird history and everything else. And uh, you know, Elmira isn't very far away from here, where Jane Roberts channeled Seth, and where the whole Mormon right, thing right, started. Right. And yeah, that's where Bad Hammer's from too. Yes, yes, he lives there about half go. hour north of me. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you're close. <laughs> Yes. We'll have to do a meetup. Yes. Yeah. Well, you can, you can come out. We can do a live where the cool. road go. That's uh and you can and then you can stick around for the last uh, exit for the lost. Yeah. That's uh let me think. <laughs> That's that'd be right around probably right around the same amount of time for Rojan to make it out to where you are too. A couple hours different. Uh he might be a little for he a little further cuz he has he's, he's where is he? Uh, just out just outside of Detroit. I think the biggest issue with Rojan is he has to go around the Great right. Lakes. So I think because he has to drive south for a while before, and then he can drive. If he could make a straight shot across, it would probably right. be the same time. Because it took him 10 hours to get out here? Oh. Well, that's not bad. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, I think it took him like 10 hours to get out here. It's a 10-hour drive. Because it hmm. took us 14 to get out to Indianapolis. Hmm. Which was, I'll never do that. Dude, I was stupid. I had an infant, a toddler, <laughs> and uh, a just just barely out of being a toddler in a caravan. Oh, God. Oh, oh my God. I had my 357 under the wife's seat, though. <laughs> Drove through New York, and I'm like, she's like, what are you so nervous about? I'm like, well, technically, I'm not supposed to drive through New York with this. Oh. <laughs> we get pulled over, we're going to be in big trouble. 
Well, only if they search yeah. the car. I'm pretty sure the with the uh, the shifty eyes and the craziness from having the kids there, uh, they'd probably stop us. <laughs> Dude, I was fit to be tied by the time we got out there. Oh, man, 14, 14 hours. That's, that's a drive. I think the longest pretty much straight thing I've driven is closer to about right. nine. I've done that in my sleep. That's nothing. <laughs> so we go- I, I tend to think anything under two hours is not a yeah. big deal. Three hours, yeah. it's getting a little, three, four hours, not a huge deal, but it's getting to be more of a trip. Anything over that's more significant. See, we go to we go up to Maine. The wife's family's from Maine. And it's uh, six hours to the border from from our front step to Portland. And then it's another hour, a little over an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 20 minutes to uh, where we go, uh, Bridgeton, Maine, where her family's from. So we we jump in the car on a Friday night and go, "Ah, let's go up to Maine. Just, you know, scooter up to Maine (laughs) and then come back, you know, Saturday afternoon just to hang out. That's like huh. a New England thing, I think. <laughs> so when you get up to you get up to uh, where we stay in Maine, like you want to you want to go and get something to eat, you're in the car for an hour. <laughs> so a no. good place, you know, not like uh. a little mom and pop or a greasy spoon. If you want to go to a good place, you're driving yeah. an hour. Well, where I am, the two biggest city. Well, yeah, the two biggest cities are Geneva and Ithaca. They're both half an hour away. That's not too bad. No, and they're not huge cities. They're they're small cities. Yeah, well, Hartford's not really that big either. You know, the big the biggest cities are Syracuse, Rochester, and Binghamton, and they're an hour right. and a half away. So you're, but again, part of the part of the reason is I have to drive around lakes. Right. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> you know, what, what, one of my best friends lives prob on a straight line, maybe twenty five minutes away, but it takes an hour to get to his house. That's four and a half hours. From my front step to Ithaca. Yeah. Yeah, no, so that's, that's not bad. That's going that's that's going up to uh Otaquichi, Vermont for the weekend. <laughs> um but yeah, the, the the lakes can be annoying. The other thing about Ithaca is there's no straight highway that goes from like Ithaca to anywhere mm. else. You know, it's like you have to take these single lane roads out of Ithaca to get somewhere. Yeah, I can I can relate to that. It's like where we go in Bridgeton and Portland or uh, Bridgeton and Naples, Maine, you take 302. And 302 is this windy, twisty road that you're like, okay, this is supposed to be a real route. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, one, going from Ithaca to Binghamton is like that. You go down uh, Route 79, and it's this—it's a single lane road with lots of hills and turns and curves and yeah, gear. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like, okay, all right, let's slow down a little, or yeah, we're gonna that's die. The thing too. The marked speed limit is 50. I'm like, yeah, nope, that's not a good idea. <laughs> so, uh, but it's all—it's all very hilly through right. here too. Um. Because supposedly the glaciers carved out the lakes. Um, Randall Carlson's been on to say, you know, and like his thing was that it wasn't the glaciers that carved it out, but the water melting underneath them. You know, it's a, and he's presented evidence that that's the case, that most of the stuff is actually water damage, sure. not ice damage. And it's like, well, that's interesting. Something you know? to think about. It's, that's that whole thing about keeping an open mind. Yeah, yeah. And Randall Carlson was another one that, you know, when I brought him on, uh, no one had any idea who he was. 
I heard him on Red Ice Radio was like, wow, I really want to talk to this guy. And I'm like, can I even find this guy? I right. Red Ice for a little while. Yeah, like like I said, lately he's gone way more political about everything, and I'm just not interested. I'm, I'm so burned out on anything political. I just don't want to. I don't want to hear it. It's, it's I just just it's, give me my research. Let me do my reading, and uh, right. I have more important things to worry about at this point. You know, like <laughs> my kids well, and my wife and my friends, and and, and most of politics is just keeping yep. people divided. Yeah. So that the people who empower get to yep. do what they want. That's true, my friend. That's very true. We, we fight each other rather than realizing that the problem right. isn't get us. Get the people back in there that are supposed to be doing the people's work instead of lobbyists and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. You know, I, I, I see people who are, you know, severely angry for anyone who didn't vote for Clinton. Not Not just people who voted for Trump, but didn't vote for Clinton. If they voted for a third party, and I'm thinking... You know this. This no, is not the solution. Not. You're, you're you, just, know? you know what? We should we should have two or more can. We really should have more oh candidates. God, yeah. We should have maybe yeah. four or five yeah. candidates running, who are sure. good choices. Where you can say, "I like all of these guys. Who do I want to vote for?" Not, oh, they suck. Who yeah, am I right? going to vote for? It's, you it, know? it reminds me of the Simpsons episode with uh, was it Kodos and Kang? The two those two the mm. space aliens. They're the same thing. Yeah. You're getting either one. They're gonna do the same damn thing. So, what do you? How about somebody different? How about the option? Uh, yes. Yeah. We need more choices, and we need choices that are actually good yeah, choices. Well. But the people pulling the strings nope. don't want those choices out nope. there. You got to keep the status quo. So, so the truly independent candidates are never going to be on the main stage. So they they need some people. You know. Grass, grassroots level yeah. to support them. It's very true. It's very true. It's it's a broken system, and it was never meant no. to be like Father this. Fathers are twisting in their graves at this point. Um, and so you know, like I, I figure, arguing over politics is pointless. I'm interested in people's sure. political views. You know, I can talk to people about politics because I don't. You know, like I said, like with everything else, I'm kind of agnostic. I want to understand why they like this or why they chose that or, you know, why they don't like something, you know. And you find a lot of people have the same feelings about this stuff. They do, they, they just think it's represented by different people. Right. Well, unfortunately, right. they're if someone is of the mindset that they know better, they're not going to think any other way until something really shakes them. Right. And yeah. sometimes not yeah. even then. But you, you know, I, if I talk to two people who are who seem like they're polar opposites, you can find more things they agree on, oh, probably, than not agree on. And it's like, why are you focusing on the stuff you don't agree on? Why don't we focus on the stuff you do agree because on? It's the nature of the beast at this point. Yeah. yeah. Sadly. So, we've had you on. Now we, we. I speak of myself in the royal we, like it's more than me. <laughs> Lobo. <laughs> But uh, we've had you on for almost two hours now. I have one last yeah. question before I sure. before I have you uh, give out your information on where people can find you. Experiencer, mm -hmm. what is the most paradigm-changing experience you've had in your life? Oh, God. <laughs> the one that's either sparked it all or caused you to stop dead in your tracks and go, this is not what I thought it was? Um, 
There was a yeah. So it was it was a series of experiences, but the it was around the time I was given the name Soraya. And the I think the first thing that happened I have I have all this recorded as I am working on a book about it all very slowly but Pick I am working pace, on man. it. Um, <laughs> the uh, I found myself out of body or what seemed like out of body. We'll go with out of body just because I don't know what else to sure. classify it as. I found I found myself at the edge of the, the this cliff that I went to all the time that all kinds of weird stuff happened at, and then I got surrounded by these hooded figures, who were kind of off in the dark. And just I, I referred to them as watchers because they didn't do anything. They just sat there and, and watched. Um, and and, he, and so I, I stood there in the middle of this circle sort of facing this shadow thing. And it was gigantic. And mm-hmm. when I see shadow type things, whether it be in normal consciousness or altered states, they always seem like liquid darkness to me. Like, yep. like yeah, okay. So that, that makes sense yep. to you. Absolutely. And so this thing is just there and it slams into me and slams me into the ground. And I was like, what the hell? And I got back up and it did it again. And this just kept repeating. And and at some point I I remember a a line from Ric Flair going through my head, which was, I can get up one more time than he can knock me down. And so (laughs) I get up, it knocks me down. And then I get a voice in my ear going, stay down. It's going to kill you. Mm -hmm. And then it starts sort of, not that voice, but this shadowy thing starts taunting about going after my friends. Right. And I'm like, screw that. And I get up and it knocks me down. And every time it knocked me down, it hurt like hell. I mean, it was, it was not just knocking me over. It was slamming me yep. into the ground and I would get back up and it would do it. And finally the, the thing that was telling me to stay down seemed to just grab a hold of me and pull me out of there. And it felt like going through like a tornado, like a funnel. And I woke up, in my bed and literally like lifted off the bed for a moment. I snapped back so hard and I was sore as hell and had minor bruises all over, which was weird because I don't bruise. Right. And I was like, what the hell just happened to me? And then the person who was instructing me at the time contacted me saying, what the hell did you do? Something just came after me. And I was like, well, that, kind of solidifies that as not just being, you know, in my head. <laughs> but right after all this happened, um, a short while later, I got just these series of revelations. Like, all this stuff started flowing into me of, like, like, like pieces of my life that didn't make sense suddenly all connected, and I just started writing. I wrote, like, pages and pages of stuff. And right after this is where I was given the name Soraya. Mm-hmm. Like where it was literally spoken into my head. And I was like, wow, what the hell was that? And I was like, that's supposed to be my name. I'm not using that as my name. <laughs> you don't have a choice. And then slowly I, <laughs> yeah, slowly I started using it as my name. And it was one of the smartest things I ever did because it's it's really, you know, it's because it's such a standout name, people remember me. Right. Uh, when people know both my names, they go, no, Soraya works way mm. better. And it's like, okay. You know that's fine. Some people think it's a uh, a woman's name. No, not at all. Not even close. Really? Yeah. Well, it, it is now. That's that's the funny yeah. thing. Um, if I, I looked up this name when it was given to me, and I found no references to it. Now this is pre-internet. Right. When the internet came along, I started looking up the name. Found no references to it. Now, if I look up the name over the last 
few years, it's become a very, uh, not a common, but a more common girl's name. Really? And they, and this, this happened to be in, I think, 91. Hmm. And the first mentions of it you see in like 94 and 95. And I'm like, okay, so this name didn't really exist prior to being given to me. Unless you go way back, like there's a couple of obscure references in biblical texts to men named Sarai, right. and that's it. So you know that my I was my given name is nothing like Lobo at all. What? Yeah, and my the name I was given was given to me. Let me think. Ninety six. So I've had this name or a variation of this name for the last 21 years. And right. the person who gave me this name, or not person, but was there when it was given to me, he was the last he was the last male of the group, and he took his life five years ago. So oh, wow. I'm it. That's it. <laughs> huh. So yeah, there's 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 four females left. That are still alive. Wow. Katrina, Flutter, Aurora, and Venus. Those are the they're the only ones that are left. And I don't know I don't know where Venus is. I have not spoken to my sister in uh, quite a while. I think she's still doing all right. I talk to Aurora once in a while. She disappears. She disappears off the face of the earth and then pops back up again. Uh mm. I flutter. I go and see Flutter pretty regularly now. She lives close by, and I married Katrina. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Oh, those are names. Yeah. I've so I, a long I, time. <laughs> I, I, I think that was probably the most life-changing experience. I mean, my my the Kundalini that got me early on certainly altered my life path. Mm-hmm. But I think as far as like revelatory sort of experiences, that what seemed like a very negative experience. See, I always I always take these experiences as what what do I walk away yeah, with? It's, as you should. And with that one, I don't know if it was how you know how how tough am I? Like, will I keep getting up no matter how much yeah, I've hurt? Would have kept getting up, or or is it? Are you smart enough to stay down? Yeah. See, I don't. When I uh, God. I had the the first time I saw what you were speaking of as the watchers. Mm-hmm. I was up on a um, a mountain top or a mountain ridge, and I had been crucified to a tree with a cross member, and I was hanging from that because they didn't want me to walk off the side of the mountain. And mm. while I was hanging there, they were all around, and I was I was out over the ridge, out suspended and just I was torn apart I was ripped to shreds and put Mm. back together so the typical shamanic uh, the last time I spoke about it was with uh, Ted Rowe and I was it was on the show and I was crying while I was talking about it so I've gotten I've gotten far enough along and this you know that was what almost 30 years ago now you know I've gotten I've come far enough along where I don't break down talking about it anymore but it's still, it's it was heavy duty stuff. After my experience, one of the things I noticed is a lot of things in the real world seem mm-hmm. different, and not necessarily like I was perceiving them different. Like like we went to a club to see a, a band, 
and suddenly they had a whole ton of couches in there. And I was like, the hell, <laughs> you know, like, like just think a lot of things suddenly changed at that point, like not necessarily in weird ways, but I mean that, well, that was kind of weird. The couches was a little freaky because you don't expect a dark, dingy bar slash club to have a ton of couches. No. Well, no. <laughs> There's a place here in Connecticut and then initially, that does it, but it's, it's weird. We, we were like, oh, cool, couches. And then we're thinking, oh, yeah, wait, no, ew, couches. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what have these couches seen? What's What's been on oh. these couches? You know what? We'll stand. Yeah. That's Do fine. Do not bring a black light. <laughs> but it was just like little things were just different. And, and I was like, okay, I feel like I almost like shifted reality yeah, it slightly. Does. You feel like you stepped. You like took a step to the left or the right. Not completely, yeah, yeah. not a not a total phase change, but just enough. Just just subtly. Yeah, yeah been there. On more than one occasion. <laughs> Seems like I so, so, only really learn those really hard lessons when there's a phase change. Mm. See, and I mean there's been numerous things that have changed my path along the way, but that was probably the the most significant because it gave me the name it gave me all these revelations about my past it just it like i felt i felt like i woke up yep that i can understand that wholeheartedly and although i i, I clearly can wake up again further oh, sure. at some yeah. point there's always there's you know always an awakening I, i'm more awake than i was prior to that happening it's a good way to describe it Sometimes I called it a shattering because I felt like it like literally shattered me, broke yep. me apart, and then, yeah. you know, let me rebuild without some of those assumptions and things I wasn't examining. Yeah, that's I didn't have a choice. I was put back together. I wish they had left me. Well, I didn't have a choice either. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't uh I wasn't looking right. for that. that yeah, just right. I don't know if anybody that well no, I, that's not true because we do know people that go out and do that. That's sure. what they're looking for. Shamanic yeah, shamanic journeys not. and people who do certain, you know. <laughs> looking for that as you were not looking for that. Um, I thought it was interesting despite yeah. the pain. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I, you know, I at no point would I say, God, I wish that didn't happen. No, I'm very mm -hmm. happy it happened. It changed a lot of stuff in very positive ways. And that's what I take away from it. It helped wake mm -hmm. me up. And so it wasn't a bad experience. That's good. So, Soraya, where can where yes. can the people find you? Well, I am all over the place, but uh, where did the road go .com is the easiest place. It links to all the social media, the YouTube, Facebook, and all that. You can add me on Facebook. I just, until I run out of room to add friends, I add anyone who's into you know music or paranormal stuff. I mean, I'm just Soraya Asgath on Facebook. Pretty easy to find. There's now you're not going to get a whole list of Soraya Asgaths. No. <laughs> um, and if you're interested in heavier music, I have the Last Exit for the Lost, which is thelastexit.org. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the majority of the things. All right. Well, thank you for coming on tonight. No, oh, absolutely. I love talking with you. Sitting here and chewing the fat with me. I'm sure we're going to have you. It was a great well, thank time. You. Thank you. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we'll have to do this again. Absolutely. So, I know you've been trying to get me to come on yours, and I swear to God right now, as, as, as the powers that be are my witness, I will come on your show. <laughs> All right. Excellent. So, I thank believe you. you.
I'm like, no, I can wait a few minutes. Mm. No, no, I can wait a few. <laughs> it's it's 6:30. I should fucking get up. Yeah, I've been there. Believe me. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, so how, how are you? I, I can't complain. You know, living Good. the dream, man. Living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> so how come you didn't want Rogan knowing? Uh, I just didn't want him to know who I was recording with tonight. So uh, that when I, I when I transfer the file to him, he's going to ask me what I want to name the show, and I'm going to say, uh, what, is it? what was I going to tell him? It was either going to be, how did the road go, or why did the road go? Because <laughs> ideally, I'd, I want to have you talk about what got you involved in your show and your endeavors, mm -hmm. and... Uh, what you've experienced in your life and what your driving yeah. force have, has been. All right. You know, like cliff notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I try to keep it to like an hour. <laughs> I'm sure we could talk for hours right. on end. So, 